Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. I hope everyone will enjoy their stay. We got a, uh, a very interesting show tonight. Got a lot of stuff going on in the world, but uh, this, this particular topic is something I'm, I'm pretty interested in, and it gives me an excuse to talk a little bit about uh, one of my favorite books, and I know one of some of your favorite books, too, actually, uh, Conflict is Not Abuse by, I believe, Sarah Shulman. And I promise you we'll get there, but we're going to kind of weave a couple of things together so far. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone had a good Juneteenth. Hope everyone uh, got out in the sun, had some you know time for yourselves, and uh, you know appreciated the day. It's been hot here in Chicago. It's been hot as hell. It was like 100 degrees today. I don't know what the hell's going on. Nasty. Uh, so, but let's 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 get down to business uh, to defeat the Huns. Um, so, a couple of things that that I really wanted to talk about today, and I'm I'm going to spend a little less time here up top setting it up and get more into the actual discussion parts of it. But there are really two articles that really inspired me to do this episode. The first is called um, "Elephant in the Zoom." Meltdowns have brought progressive advocacy groups to a standstill at a critical moment in world history, and that's in The Intercept by Ryan Grimm, a friend of the show (laughs) who doesn't know it exists. uh, And the other article is, um, I believe it was in the New York Magazine. Uh, It's called Unlearning the Language of Wokeness by Sam Adler Bell. Uh, I have links to both of those in the episode description if you feel like taking a read. They're both worth a read. The... uh, the Grim one is a much longer article and gets much more into actual details about the issue of uh, sort of how infighting within progressive advocacy groups is stopping them from being effective at what is a critical moment uh, for a lot of those movements. And then uh, Unlearning the Language of Wokeness by Sam Adler-Bell is more of just like a little think piece about what wokeness should be redefined as how it could be detrimental to a wider sort of progressive push to uh, move people from their current positions. And, um, you know, we'll just get a little bit into how I think all of this ties together, especially with uh, Sarah Shulman's uh, Conflict is Not Abuse. And I'm really looking forward to some of your calls. I know a lot of you have a lot of good things to say about this. Um, but generally speaking, if, if you remember a couple episodes back, we went over another Ryan Grimm article about, uh, I believe it was in, I forget where the campaign was, I think Buffalo, New York, but it was about the how an inner campaign or how a, a progressive campaign basically fell apart at the seams, how they were unable to uh, resolve their issues with their own sort of accountability measures and their restorative justice practices. And this is kind of an extension of that same article. Um, but Elephant in the Zoom, it starts off with a, a little look into a group called the Guttenmacher Group. Now, the Guttenmacher Group is a reproductive rights organization. I think they do a lot of research and, and advocacy for reproductive rights in America. And it talks about how a conflict within a Zoom meeting 
about the George Floyd protests and the George Floyd situation. Basically, they called a, a Zoom meeting where the director of the organization or some of the managers of the organization are talking about uh, asking their employees, what can we do to, in response to George Floyd's brutal murder? Uh, and some of the people in the call started talking about what Guttenmacher can do to make their individual lives better, to make the workplace environment better. And one of the executives basically told everyone on Zoom, this is not about you. We're talking about what we can actually do to solve a, uh, a wider issue and to advance a wider movement um, in response to this killing. Uh, that, that set off a, a bit of like a, a huge sort of whirlwind within that organization. Um, there were a lot of accusations that they were creating, the executives were creating a hostile work environment, uh, that they were, I believe there were accusations of like even racism, uh, but it, it set off an entire internal investigation. Um, and, and, and basically, uh, from the article, it says, in the eyes of group leaders dealing with similar moments, staff were ignoring the mission and focusing only on themselves, using a moment of public awakening to smuggle through standard grievances cloaked in the language of social justice. Often, as was the case at Guttenmacher, they played into the very dynamics they were fighting against, directing their complaints at leaders of color. Guttenmacher was run at the time, and still is today, by an Afro-Latina woman named Dr. Herminia Palacio. Uh, and then, quote, the most zealous ones at my organization when it comes to race are white, end quote, said one black executive director at a different organization asking for anonymity so as not to provoke a response from that staff. So basically there are a lot of these internal struggles that are just going on. Um, the investigation into Guttenmacher uh, employed an outside counsel, an outside law firm, and they were investigating accusations that certain staff, staff members had been tokenized and promoted and then demoted on the basis of race. Basically after the end of that internal investigation, it was found that, quote, complaints were duly investigated and nothing raised to the level of abuse or discrimination. Rather, what we saw was distrust, disagreement, and discontent with management decisions they simply did not like, end quote. So again, um, a lot of internal division going on in a lot of these progressive organizations and a lot of um, for-profit and non-for-profit organizations with uh, – sort of, uh, you know, like uh, something that you could argue is inspired or, or affected by a call-out culture or a cancel culture or whatever. Um, and that's, you know, we could talk about that more whenever we start. We open it up for discussion. But the, the gist of Ryan Grimm's article is how this sort of internal division is taking up the majority of these uh, progressive movement is taking up the majority of time for those involved in these activist organizations and how they're unable to effectively effectuate change in the real world because they're dealing with all of this internal strife constantly. So it's, it's, and there's a lot of dynamics here, right? Like here's another quote from the article uh, from one of the people that Ryan uh, interviewed. So much energy has been devoted to the internal strife and internal bullshit that it's hard that it's had a real impact on the ability for groups to deliver, said one organization leader who departed his position. Uh, quote again, it's been huge, 
particularly over the last year and a half or so, the ability for groups to focus on their mission, whether it's reproductive justice or jobs or fighting climate change, end quote. So that's, look, if, if, if you can see how that's a problem, right? If you're spending all of your time internally dealing with battles between and betwixt you, um, meanwhile, the people who are moving to actual effect or actually affect change in the real world, the people who are moving against you effectively don't have an opponent. They're able to just move. And I think that is dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous for a lot of reasons. I mean, look, this should be one of the times when reproductive rights should be, with, with this Roe v. Wade decision, overturning decision about to come out, uh, we should really, this is one of the times we need organizations like Guttenmacher to do their business. And right now they're getting torn apart from the inside. And there are the executives of these organizations or people in these organizations who say they spend 90 to 95% of their time uh, dealing with internal conflict. And part of the issue here, um, and uh, Martin, I'll get to you in just like five minutes, right, right after I uh, finish this part up. There's a couple more things I want to kind of bring into the discussion. Uh, but one of the one of the issues with, uh, I guess, internally within the organizations is that uh, one, uh, as the article points out, or Brian Grimm's article points out, uh, a lot of these internal divisions, like even talking about them, seem to play into, you know, right wing talking points or feed right wing trolls who attack and undermine the left, right? So uh, here's another quote from the Grimm article uh, about the silence in some of these organizations with actually addressing this internal strife and, and, and figuring out how to uh, get it under control so that they can actually move forward and affect change outside in the real world. Um, the silence stems partly, one senior leader in an organization said, from a fear of feeding right-wing trolls who are working to undermine the left. Adopting their language and framing feels like surrendering to malign forces, but ignoring it has only allowed the issues to fester. Quote, the right has labeled it cancel culture or call-out culture, he said. So when we talk about our own movement, it's hard because we're using the frame of the right. It's very hard because there's all these associations and analyses an analysis that we disagree with when we're using their frame. So it's like, how do we talk about it? End quote. And, and look, again, this is a great article to look into. Uh, there's so much good stuff here. And I won't go over the entire article, but that's, that's part of the question. That's the first part of the question, right? Like the internal sort of divisions that are happening in these organizations, why are they happening? The the degree to which there are even bad faith actors who are cloaking themselves in the guise of um, wider political movements in order to uh, feel some kind of personal victory in their lives or that they actually have this ability to affect some type of change in their job place or to even sort of validate their own, uh, whether it be like uh, insecurities or their own sort of politics or whatever it is. It's, it's, 
it's stopping people from being able to build coalitions. And look, if you're going to build a coalition, as the article says, sometimes you're just you're in it with some people that you don't really like. Like you don't have to like them. It's just like if they're going to do what you need them to do in order for us to get where we need to get to, then part of it's just like, well, you know, screw it. I don't need to like the person. We'll just as long as we get it done, fuck it. Like kumbaya in this shit or whatever, right? Um, but I want to move over for one second to the unlearning the language of wokeness because it's, it's somewhat related because in this article, uh, again, this is more of a think piece by Sam Adler Bell. Uh, he basically redefines wokeness and says that, well, puts a definition to wokeness and says that wokeness refers to the invocation of unintuitive and morally burdensome political norms and ideas in a manner which suggests they are self-evident. And, you know, we can debate about that idea or not, but the wider point of Sam Adler Bell's article is that in having that sort of exclusionary language of wokeness and also in kind of expecting people who are not woke to understand unintuitive and morally burdensome political norms and truths, uh, we are actually pushing them away without actually explaining to them or, or doing the sort of work, the sort of like um, uh, activist work that, uh, that forces you to actually engage with people with where they're at. And I think this is the real point of the article. It's just, I'll read this real quick. Radicals believe in things that chafe with the dominant common sense, i.e., the ideas and instincts which circulate to justify the existing order of things. It is basically impossible to invite someone into a confrontation with a commonsensical, if dissatisfying, status quo in a language that is foreign or confusing, or worse, which accuses them of a moral crime for failing to already get it. Instead, radicals must speak to people in language that is familiar about ideas that are novel. We have the unenviable task of challenging the prevailing common sense on terms that are legible within it. It's not easy, but if you believe in progressive change, that's what you signed up for. To take a pervasive example, it seems contradictory to suggest that America is a deeply racist country with many unexercised demons, which manifest intricately in individual instincts institutional structures, and communal customs, and at the same time insist that new and more sophisticated anti-racist norms should be inherently legible and agreeable to anyone but a fool or a white nationalist. This doesn't mean we should be any less relentless in pursuit of uh, instantiating, I'm not sure what that means, instantiating more rigorous anti-racist values. But it does mean we shouldn't expect to do so simply by treating them as self-evident or haranguing those who don't already share them. Now, there's a lot there. Maybe you didn't get it the first time. It's worth reading through that. There's a good argument there, though, uh, in my opinion. Now, I do think it's a little too buying into that sort of right-wing framework that people were already scared of – Adopting because of the, uh, you know, in the in the Grimm article, the executive that we mentioned who is trying to figure out how we actually talk about these internal struggle issues. Um, but there's a certain language, like to, to, uh, for 
when you live in a white supremacist society or a capitalist society, deconstruction of the cultural milieu is going to be a necessary component of activist work. It just is. Like, we live in a society. You know what I mean? Like, you have to address what that society actually is. And then we get to what I what I think could be a big part of us being able to do that. And then, Martin, I'm getting to you. And that is uh, the idea of having a better sense of navigating conflict, uh, having tools, having an ability and a language to both address conflict situations and also to understand when something is more of an existential threat and when something isn't. And I think uh, conflict is not abuse is a great place to start. And for those of you who don't know what book that is or the book, it's by, I believe, Sarah Shulman. Um, I don't know much of her work, but she wrote a book called Conflict is Not Abuse, Overstating Harm, Community Responsibility, and the Duty to Repair. And I'll read you just two quotes. First is a quote that talks about what the book is kind of about. Uh, And she says that, My thesis is that at many levels of human interaction, there's the opportunity to conflate discomfort with threat, to mistake internal anxiety for exterior danger, and in turn to escalate rather than resolve. So pretty straightforward. But this is the part that I think is really valuable here. And uh, these also happen to be the first two quotes from uh, goodreads.com. But they're the best ones. So, (laughs) you know, I did read the book. Uh, We can talk about more in detail. But this is this is why she this is kind of a crucial component of conflict resolution is a crucial component of activism or navigating Uh, the internal conflicts that we're going to have in trying to get to the promised land. Uh, Quote, if a person cannot solve a conflict with a friend, how can they possibly contribute to larger efforts for peace? If we refuse to speak to a friend because we project our anxieties onto an email they wrote, how are we going to welcome refugees, immigrants, and the homeless into our communities? The values required for social repair are the same values required for personal repair. And I'll say that one more time. The values required for social repair are the same values required for personal repair. That's really the meat of this discussion that I want to have here is, do you agree with that? Is there some truth to this? How do we navigate these things? And just bringing it back to the Grimm article one more time, there's a quote that I think ties in really well with Sarah Shulman's Conflict is Not Abuse, and it goes like this. People want justice, and they want their pain acknowledged, uh, Rudd said. But on the other hand, if acknowledging their pain causes organizations to die or erodes the solidarity and the coalition building that's needed for power, it's probably not a good thing. In other words, it can lead to the opposite, more power for the fascists. There's a lot. There's a lot to discuss, but uh, I've been talking long enough. Y'all have been so patient. We're going to go ahead and take our first caller. Uh, don't think I've spoken with you before. Martin, go ahead and unmute yourself, and uh, welcome to the Friend Hampton Inn and Suites. Hey, bud. How's it going, man? Can you hear me? Hey, yeah, I can hear you. You sound great. Okay, awesome. Oh, I sound great. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but I've heard you a few times on uh, on the Bad Faith Colin show, and I always appreciate your commentary. You know, you really set this one up really well. I mean, there was a lot of context that you kind of went through uh, quickly. And I, so I just have kind of a quick thing to, to add. Yeah, sure. Uh, and thank you. Um, I was I've, So I haven't read Ryan's article, but I have listened to him talk about the the concepts in that article on a few podcasts now. Yeah. And one thing that I have heard, like he, he has brought it back on a couple times to like the Weather Underground and SBS. Right. Um, and something that really frustrated me with his framing is he was just like, oh, well, you know, the same thing happened with SBS and Weather Underground where, and it must just be a thing in leftist circles. It must be a problem with the left. And in the context, I don't, I don't know how much you followed this like Paul Mason thing with the, with the gray zone, but I feel like it's relevant in the sense that when you talk about SDS and the weather underground, like that was a literal outcome of the intelligence community infiltrating the left. You know, like it's, you know, there's actual forces out there that actually try to undermine our institutions. Right. And, right. you know, I, I feel like that gets lost because people think it's like too conspiratorial to, to think about. And but I guess, I mean, you don't have to think that there's an FBI agent around every corner, but like just the idea that, you know, maybe it's just sometimes people aren't operating in good faith. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And, I think. I, oh, go ahead. Keep going. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I, I definitely want to hear more about what you have to say. And also, you know, I'm not all that familiar with that history of the Weather Underground, too. I, I heard Ryan mention that as well in sort of the post-Vietnam uh, fractures in the left that happened. But I, I'm ignorant as to a lot of the specifics of that history. So if you want to lay down some foundation for me and the listeners, if you can and you're willing to, I'd love that. But the thing I was going to say, too, is that um, look, we, we do have historical examples of infiltrators coming into leftist groups and trying to make things more disorderly. I think one thing that is a pretty solid takeaway, though, is that or, or one thing I'm worried about is that a lot of the sort of language and um, I guess validation of some of this interpersonal conflict or prioritizing the personal over the, the organization or the, the effectiveness of a movement. Uh, I think it's not just infiltration. I think infiltration plays a lot, a large part in it, but I do think that people can actually learn from that infiltration framework and then actually adopt it in a real way. And that also causes the same sort yes. of conflict, right? So it makes it very easy to disrupt leftist organizations in particular because of that. And I, I, I don't know what to do with that, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I, I think that there is going to have to be part of any sort of organizational movement that prioritizes the mission over the individual. That, you know, but I, I'm probably not the best person to talk about that because I just... I'm kind of a piece of shit. So like, I'm totally fine with pieces of shit. Like I, I, I don't, you know, like as long as we get to where we need to get to for the ultimate goal, then I feel I, I can work with a lot of different people, but that's, that's me. And I, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe we shouldn't, maybe the, I don't know. Maybe there's something, 
true to addressing those sort of internal factors within your organization, uh, or, or at least taking them seriously enough to where you realize you can uh, like truthfully investigate whether or not you have truly corrupting and corrosive forces within your organizational structure. Because it's not like, you know, uh, hostile work environments do not exist, right? And it's not like a leftist organization would be exempt from that, too. But, you know, those those are just my thoughts on it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, so speaking of being a piece of shit, I also went to law school. Uh, so, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, welcome to the club, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, and I was just I'm thinking about. I don't want to go too much into the history. I think you know it's more the the history is actually probably a little more poignant and well laid out um, with the Black Panthers. Like they were like little the FBI just like writing letters as different factions. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like people are more familiar with that one. But so that's just an example. But. I know that in law school, I feel like a lot of stuff, a lot of like groups that I was in got derailed because it was a a lot of the projects they were focused on were not substantive. Um, And so when there wasn't like, like, and people were just ambitious motherfuckers, you know, like, and so like, I guess my only, I'll, I'll probably just leave it here because I agree. Like bringing up the fact that there could be bad faith actors, maybe, like it doesn't really solve the problem, right? You still need to like, okay, how do you deal with that? Right. Um, so my only, my only kind of thoughts would just be, I, I think the more, the more people can be involved in concrete, like actions that ma- make a material change in the world around them. I think it circumvents a lot of that um, because you have, you can just kind of assess things by, by, you know, are you being effective in the mission that you set out? Right. Um, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like people can, that, that can cut through a lot of bullshit. Um, but we have a lot of groups here that are a lot of groups I think on the left that don't necessarily have very concrete, like material missions. Right. Even like, I almost feel like, and I hate to, I hate to bring up a specific example, but I, I kind of feel this way about like the the People's Party thing, where it's such an abstract and like wide ranging task to put together a third party that like I could imagine how I mean, this is almost just a hypothetical, but I could imagine how that kind of thing lends itself to more infighting just because it's it's not as concrete of a goal. Whereas like yeah, you know, if you're trying to build community, like resilience networks for with your neighbors for climate change it might be a more concrete thing that that like wouldn't be subject to that uh yeah yeah well definitely having like concrete goals that are measurable and easy to kind of see happen can also i think inspire people to uh you know to the extent that there are internal conflicts to wave them aside and say well you know what fuck it we're Mm -hmm. almost there we're getting there i i definitely think that works i i think I, I agree with that. I guess, you know, taking it back to one of the examples from the article and one that I've been thinking about, because I don't know, I don't know how to feel about it yet. Maybe, maybe y'all will help me figure that out. But, uh, you know, Ryan Grimm's article talks about the ACLU post Charlottesville. Um, for those of, those of you who either forgot or don't, don't 
haven't been following along or whatever. It's the, so, you know, in 2017 when the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally happened and out and out motherfucking white supremacists <laughs> were, were out in the streets <laughs> talking about yeah. Jews will not replace us with tiki torches and a woman was killed in a vehicular <clears throat> homicide by one of those uh, demonstrators or one of those, I should just call him a Nazi piece of shit, whatever he is. I don't want to be an asshole, but, you know, one of those people killed uh, a counter-protester. And there were fights at the ACLU because the ACLU, which has initially been a, a hardcore sort of free speech advocacy organization and a civil liberties organization, did what it has a history of doing and started defending the right-wing uh you know, Nazi-ass protesters after that. Um, and that caused a lot of internal division that really, uh, as as Ryan goes over in the article, it's still ongoing, you know, five, six years later. And the effectiveness of the ACLU has been hampered pretty significantly. And it's, I mean, it's a t- uh, you know, that's that one to me is a really good example for this discussion just because it's, you know, there they had sort of a concrete mission, at least, which is, well, we'll defend any sort of free speech because we think that at a certain point it always comes back and hurts the left if we don't. And then you have people working for the organization who rightfully, you know, as far as their their individual pain goes, they're saying, look, I don't want to defend fucking Nazis who one of them murdered somebody. Like, it, it's – I think that's – how do you navigate that conflict? And I, I, I do think, I mean, part of me wants to come down on the side of saying that, you know, like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think it, it's just tough. It's, it's a tough one for me because that one is, I don't want to say that maybe we should defend the free speech aspect, but I mean, I feel like for a wider mission, unless I have some kind of like clear understanding of where that's going to go or how that's going to lead us to something, that's a you get into like a a values judgment problem. And that's a lot of what we do, you know, like as as leftists generally. Um someone's at my door, but they're just going to have to chill for now. Um but yeah, that's I I, I needed an interruption anyway, so <laughs> Cool, man. Well, there's a lot of people in the chat that I know are going to have more substantive uh, stuff to say than me. So I want to, I want to leave, I could respond, but I want to leave it there. And I appreciate you entertaining my, uh, my thoughts. Yeah. Thanks for calling in Martin. And, uh, you know, feel free at the end or whatever to jump back in the chat or, or anything else. Really appreciate you listening. Totally dude. All right. Peace, man. Yeah. Take it easy. All right. And it looks like Sean, Sean's up next. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Welcome to the Fred Hampton and Suites, man. How's it going, bro? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, it sound good. For sure, for sure. Yeah, man, This I think this is a very important topic because this is something I've had a lot of personal experience with and is one of the reasons I kind of got out of trying to even start organizing. Ooh. I started with kind of, uh, yeah, I started with Force the Vote. We had infiltrators in that, and you had in-group fighting, and uh, and that kind of destroyed the organization. And I think we actually had some infil- infiltrators and then I started working with the March for Medicare for All, and, uh, you know, again, the group division was created. And that point in time, I was trying to be the middleman to, like, keep the group because you generally have people who are more kind of, you know, uh, 
like peaceful. I, I won't call them liberals, but more like progressive. Right. And then you have the more like hardcore leftists. I was like, you need to understand, like even the people who are more like, you know, kind of progressive, quote unquote, they do a lot of good work. You know what I mean? Right. And what ended up happening is because of the fact I put myself in the middle of that, I ended up getting a kind of attack from both sides. And I ended up like, I planned the LA March with Jimmy Dore and all of that. I, I ended up not even going to it. And by the end of it, they completely destroyed the entire LA March, the entire plan. Like I, I, I did, I, I mapped out the entire route. I had the entire plan. And by the end of it, who Jimmy Dore and Tara Reed were supposed to be given like 20 to 30 minutes each got five minutes, you know, but it like, but it does Damn. come to this. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. I'm still pissed Yo, off. give us, give it, give us some of them deets if you want, Sean. I mean, like, this is yeah. what we're here for. You got firsthand yeah, experience I, with this. Yeah. Um, well, what happened was we had an organization and we had, what ends up happening is you get this fractionalization within the group. And so what this fractionalization does is because of the fact there's kind of these complex issues of where we are kind of on the political spectrum. Like I'm, I'm I, like, I like Jimmy Dore. I think he's right on a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? But you got people who might be, you know, a little more Sam Cedar fans. Right. What ends up ha- yeah, what, yeah. And so what ends up happening is you get, once there becomes like a little issue, people go into their silos and they begin yeah. to talk and they, and they talk shit. And so once this happened, then there becomes these little silos, these private conversation, and it can it entirely destroys group cohesion. But what ends up happening is the people who are in their silos feel more and more valid and more and more justified because of the fact they go to their silos and they just talk to the people who already agree with them and they create these groups of already agreement. And it's actually one of the major reasons that uh, the March for Medicare for All, they're doing another march, is just in D.C., is happening. Like right now, the, the March for Medicare for All, which was originally started, had over 50 marches or protests or, you know, just all across the country, that was supposed to be the movement to create smaller groups of people in all the places that they had marches. That was the one thing I was concerned about. I didn't give a fuck about the marches. I just wanted there to be groups of people who could do actions on their own connected to a larger organization. Yeah. Yeah. But this yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Second, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's. I should no, have just no, shut the fuck up and let you talk. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. It's 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 me. It's ADHD. I don't. I don't even know. But, um, but yeah, I feel you. I feel you. But anyway, you you you, you, you keep going. Yeah, but but so. What ended, and so what happened was I was concerned about, I didn't care about the march. I don't think a march is going to do anything, but what it does is bring people together. But what happened was once there was a little bit of division, what ended up happening is the group became very insular. So instead of bringing new people in, we had people who had lists of like 300 or 400 teachers in LA who are willing to like sign up with us and do that. I kept pushing to get these larger organizing groups, like even some of the DSA are good organization and good organizers. I wasn't allowed to bring them into the larger like management or the larger like, you know, leadership roles because of the fact that the group became so insular. They like, well, we got this. We got this. You know what I mean? And 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 it just and it becomes such a problem because of the fact that you're not actually utilizing this stuff. And instead of actually accomplishing a goal, you care more about being right. And yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, that's that's a lot of what is happening in the article too. Um, there's like a a part that Ryan Grimm talks about about uh, how people 
there, there are different parts to any kind of movement. And sometimes parts of the movement are, are not about either shifting the Overton window or getting personal fulfillment or having anything, uh, you know, like getting all of your demands met at that moment in time or getting everything like, you know, the full self-actualization of a person. Sometimes it's about, okay, we have a meaningful opportunity to get this shit done right now and to build this up a little bit. And we need to take it like this is, we need to seize that opportunity and then continue to push things uh, to where they need to go. Um, but the Jimmy Dore example, I think is a really, a really good one because Jimmy Dore, I do think, um, you know, I don't, I don't really follow him as much as I do like Brianna Joy Gray or some of these other people, but I think he's someone who says a lot of things that are right but he could be such a fucking dick about it sometimes, you know? And, and like, I get that. And like, I feel, I feel, you know, like as someone who's been a dick to people in my life, I get it. And sometimes it like, it feels good, you know? But like, I remember with that force the vote thing, with that conversation specifically, you know, Sam Cedar went on the bad faith podcast and was talking about how, you know, basically just admitted, I think that force the vote is a bad idea because Jimmy Dore came up with it. And exactly. that to me is pretty like bobo bananas. Yeah. It, it's you so what we're what you're saying is like we're doing something that's going to be good for all of us, for all of our movement, but because the wrong person pitched the idea, then it's not worth doing. You know, like, look, and this is going to be fucked up, but, like, if someone who was, like, a complete piece of shit, just, like, I don't know, I don't want to say Caitlyn Jenner, but that's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> but, like, if someone who's just, like, I don't even know, I should stop hating on her, she's whatever. But, like, if someone who's a piece of shit comes up with a really great idea, you know, like, even a broken clock is right twice a day. You jump on the idea. If it's going to be good for your movement, if it's going to actually effectuate change in the ways that you need it to and affect people's lives in a real positive way, then you, you go with it. And, you know, with the March thing, I just, I, you know, first of all, I'm sorry that happened. Like that, that sucks uh, that it, you know, kind of like fell apart like that. But the, with the, with something that is a mass mobilization, I do think there's too much, emphasis with people sometimes about them feeling like they need to get everything out of this one march or they need to get everything out of this one action or that any sort of political movement is going to be woefully incomplete and insufficient and therefore not worth participating in because uh, they don't get every one of their demands met at that time. There, there needs to be a place for uh, strategic mind. And, and here's, I guess, the counterargument to that is sometimes some of these motherfuckers get so locked down in that strategy shit that they miss the forest from the trees, right? They'll be like, well, we got health care, and it's Obamacare. And you're sitting there saying, no, the fucking battle is not over. We have not gotten to the place to where we need to be. And now your concession of... Obamacare is actually a demobilizing force and is a a uh, what was supposed to be a unifying force around healthcare has now become something that has divided us and put people in the camps and made it even harder for us to actually pass 
healthcare too, if that makes sense. So it's no. it's tough. I mean, it, that, it makes a lot of sense, but like, and, and you bring up a point that, you know, me and my friend who uh, we met during Forest of Vote and we're just like, we're going to say Wavelay, we've been talking about, you know, even what would be required to actually start an organizing movement again, because we've kind of been through the ringer with all of this stuff. And we picked up a lot of, you know, P's and Q's and we, we've, we've paid attention. And right. one of the things that, you know, we've came to is just that, you need to be able to make arguments. You know what I mean? And the problem is, is that so much of the left has turned into, I don't want to call it the victim mentality because you were talking about it. You know what I mean? This is like the right framing, but it's just that like somebody's weakness is now just a, a strength to the point that you can't disagree with that person because of the fact they're going to bring up some like weakness argument or use their position of weakness as a mechanism to then define their moral high ground. But if you can have actual foundational debates about the very topics at hand and people will just refuse to engage in any form of debate and just say you're wrong because of the fact, well, I'm a part of this group and these people agree with us or agree with me, you're not going to make any progress. And that's right. the problem that there isn't a place for confrontation. And this is yes. one of the things that, like this is one of the the things that I realized with the L.A. March, like one of the things that m messed up the L.A. March was um, one of the organizers was a big person at L.A. that was connected to actual politicians. And she started getting these very threatening calls just like to just dis disregard her politically within these fears. And from my perspective, if you're actually going to get Medicare for all passed, even if just in California, you're going to get death threats. You know what I mean? Right. If you are actually going to accomplish that, you will get real ass death threats. Yeah. And if you can't handle the little bit of controversy of people maybe talking bad about you, you're not ready for this goal. You know what I mean? Mm. And, it's, and yeah. it's just like you, you get so many people who are so adverse to any form of conflict and dealing with conflict because – and this is the other thing. Iron sharpens iron. You need conflict. I learn from my enemies. You know what I mean? Hell because yeah. of the because of the fact it makes me stronger. If somebody hits me and it hurts me and I learn to overcome it, that's no longer a weakness for me. That becomes my strength. Hmm. And the problem is, is that we've lost that ability to understand if we really want to take on the system, we have to be tougher than the system. We have to be tougher than what yes. they can throw at us. But yes. But instead of that, what we get is these – it's just like, well, you know what I mean? We're oppressed. I get it. I'm oppressed too. You know what I mean? But the way you get over oppression is not to is not to complain about the oppression asking your oppressors to be nice to you. And you yeah. can't have that type of mentality in a movement if you're actually looking to affect real change. And that's the problem. There is no space for real argumentation for us to actually hash this out to see what the best ideas are because yeah. of the fact – it just comes down to like a, a personality thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I like this personality. I like this person. I agree with this person on this. So I'm just going to disregard all the arguments and just just like, oh, you're an infiltrator. You're this and that. Listen to the argument. Argue with the substance. And if you're right, which, you know, there's a lot of reasons to say that black people are oppressed. The system is a white supremacy system and win on the mirrors of the arguments through basic logic. But if you can't do that, how are you actually? actually going to create the contained like stability within your own organization to actually change the very zeitgeist of the entire country. So here's a, here, no that first of all fire 
fucking talk that shit fire second of all here here's the thing here's 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 like the the conundrum of living in a society where you are being oppressed where you are being exploited where you are being uh worked to the bone and where you don't have access to health services here here's the truth of being oppressed that i don't think gets across to people enough um you are in so many ways a victim of that society but that society is totally fine with continuing to victimize you 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 have to you have to some way it's so it's it's shitty to say because we're expecting the people who are under the worst conditions and under the worst kind of traumas to actually rise up against them to fight them but that is what being in a fight is right that is you i don't have a choice look like i didn't have a choice growing up to sort of avoid like racial oppression or white supremacy or any of that shit. Like I didn't have the choice, but when the, the real decision that needs to be made or the realization that needs to be made at a certain point is, well, you continue on being just like treated like shit by that system or you fight and fighting means that there are going to be times when, you got to pick yourself up when you're not doing okay and do something. It's fucking hard, though. Look, like, I'm not trying to take away from the fact of that is a difficult thing to do. It is difficult to find fire in yourself and, and in, your, in your position when you have legitimate traumas. And when – but when you, you can't – the world's not about you, and they don't care about you. They don't give a fuck about you. So part of you has to be able to have a little bit of fuck you in your blood – to be like, no, nah, I'm going to fight. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to get up and I'm going to actually push back against the oppressive forces that are oppressing me. And part of that means enduring more of that oppression while it's happening, right? And enduring the escalation of that oppression. And you said something that I think is pretty profound, too, about, you know, the politician or one of the political politically connected people receiving death threats. Yes, if you're challenging power, expect power to challenge you back to push back as hard as it can it's it's part of it but to me that's almost an indication that you're doing something right if you know if if people start actually coming at you with that heat and like threatening your life then you're pushing at the right parts of the system that should be an indicator to me to push harder yeah you know, like, but I'm a crazy, stupid fuck. So, like, I would do all kinds of reckless shit in my life. And, you know, people would be mad at me and I'd say, I'm sorry, but actually it feels good to be bad. It feels good. Right. But, like, it's, 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 I, I do think that's something we need to address more. But it sounds a lot like, again, this, it sounds a lot like picking yourself up by your bootstraps in a way. You know what I mean? It, it kind of feels, it has that almost personal responsibility air to it, which I think is why people don't really like those kinds of conversations or think it, it's almost a right-wing framing. But it, it's, it's also just true. Like, if no one's coming to save you and you have to save yourself, then you have to be able to get over yourselves in order to do it, right? We're, we're, um, you know, we're on the island of misfit toys whenever we're all these different, uh, you know, 
peoples with different kinds of oppressions under the same system. But, you know, the goal is Christmas. That's the goal. Like, and part of that's going to be like, I don't care if you're a fucking polka dotted elephant and I'm a, you know, like a, I don't know, a, a little Susie doll or whatever the fuck the other toys were on that island. Uh, but, like, you, you have to fight uh, both together and you have to be able to get over yourself in, in order to participate in that fight. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, no, and, and, and I 100% agree, and, and I'll let you know someone else talk. But it's and and the, and the last part is is that you have to understand. Like we agree that you're oppressed, you know what I mean. But the thing is, the system doesn't give a fuck. Exactly. And when you try, and, and it's just like they're trying to create this imaginary idea where their oppression is like it is used as something like it's, it's bad and they create this idea where i want the morality of what i want the world to be here but it's just like what you're doing when you're trying to when you try to bring that morality within a group when we're fighting an oppressed system right you're just going to weaken the group you know what i mean and yeah. i don't know how to say, say it better yeah, but well, well your oppression is not valuable in and of itself it is not like worthwhile in and of itself. It is to me, oppression has been in a way a, a, a method with which to let me see the system for what it is. Yes. It gives me a better perspective of what the fuck I'm facing for real and what it's actually happening. But that's the value of it, right? The value is not, it's not validating to be oppressed. Yes. It, it fucking sucks to be oppressed. It is it is inhuman. It it is it's every fucking pain that you could ever imagine. It's it, it's it's terrible. It is powerlessness. And and I don't like it. I don't fucking like it. I don't like some of the shit that I've been through. I don't fucking like that. I don't the reason I fight is cuz I don't want that for other people. I don't want other people to have that. And and it's it's the only, like I said, the only value I really get for, from it is perspective, is an understanding. But it's also why, to some extent, I'm willing to go with some people who I otherwise would have disagreements with to yes. get something done. Because it's more valuable to get the thing done than it is to have some kind of like personally affirming affirmation of it. And I, I do think exactly. one, of the thing, one of the things from the article that is that I've noticed in my own life is – and there's going to be a little bit of call-out culture myself, so y'all get ready. But some, some of the people that I've noticed leverage um, like racial struggle the most have been very, very white. And I've been in some circles, too, where it's like white people are telling me about my motherfucking oppression. And I'm just sitting there like, nigga, like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Talk like, what is this to them? Tell me, is this is this about you explaining that you're a little smart dude and you're you're Mister Smarty Smart and you've read your little books and you understand racial oppression from a lens and now you can deconstruct it for my black ass? Like, get the fuck out of here! Like, I I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want to be oppressed. Yeah, so I, I need you to shut the fuck up and get to the march. I need all y'all to get to the march because that's what it's about. It's not about like the you telling me like it's weird because then people start to leverage other people's pain. Like I've seen a lot of that talk too with like, you know, when people talk about like ableism or something like that, 
these are all very real things. Don't get me wrong. They're real. But when you're talking about ableism and def- trying to defend other- – and I know you have to defend other people and everything like that. That's not what I'm trying to say. But like people will leverage it as like a way to get some kind of like – I don't know, like internet upvotes or yeah. – And it's it, it like becomes- – it becomes oh, an identity and a validation. You know yes, what I mean? It's just yes. like, I said the right thing. I said the, It's just like, you yeah. said the right thing. The system is still murdering us. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, the system is still ableist. The system is still racist. Like, congratulations. But like, yeah. you know, like, like some of us didn't need to read a book to understand that. And you want to change it. You know, like my, my, I don't, I don't try to have these politics just to have them. I'm not interested in telling people that I have a better deconstruction of capitalism than them. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, who fucking cares? Like, I want health care. I want people to be able to go to a fucking doctor and not die and or, or, or be bankrupt from getting cancer or something. Like, that's what I want. I don't care about, like, the getting the smarty boy snoop points or whatever. And I do think that's a big part of this, too. But, Sean, any last words before I... Um, Move on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, yeah, I would just like to say, I think Sonia was a little bit further up on the chat and I just saw her come back in. But, uh, the last thing I would say is just like, I don't give a fuck about the pity. I wanted the change. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and that's what I'm about. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that gets lost in the sauce. And I think, you know, people, because of the fact the left has kind of been like, you know, open, inviting and caring that people have kind of allowed the weakness to become a part of their identity and mm. they find a level of comfort with it. And I understand where that comes from, but it's just like you, your identity cannot be your oppression because of the fact you will constantly look at yourself as somebody of oppressed versus a revolutionary who wants to overtake the oppressed system. And I think that is something that's kind of missed a lot of times, but uh, bro, great conversation. And uh, oh, bro, you, you, know, you, pleasure is all mine like fantastic yeah but sorry you you were saying something else definitely oh, no, that, oh i was i was just saying uh sonia uh, the other thing i was just saying is sonia dropped off and i think i don't know if she was like second or third but i i just wanted to say that she was uh i think she was a little bit earlier in the chat so that's it okay cool well then i'll, I'll go ahead and bring sonia up because i, I see rika in line too i know rika I'm, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to talk with Rika, Shelly, and Amanda for sure. Especially, I know Rika shares my love for conflict is not abuse. So I am I'm very much looking forward to that. And I I do think I remember seeing Sonia here. So I'll I'll bring her up real quick, and then we'll uh, return to the queue as as is. But thank you so much, Sean. You pleasure uh, pleasure talking with you. Man, that was good shit. <laughs> that was good shit. Okay. All right, Sonia. Sonia, you're up next. Welcome to the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. You can go ahead and unmute yourself. Hi. Yeah. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I totally agree with you guys when it, it comes to, I guess, the internet space and just what everybody is doing there. But I also feel like there's another aspect of it where if, like, I've gone and tried to join political organizations and they have these weird calculating conversations about trying to recruit this or that ethnic minority so they yeah. can adopt a certain aesthetic in their marketing material oh yeah so, yeah that, you're just like uh i don't know if this is the right place <laughs> oh that gets um, that gets weird real quick 
you know, like the, the, I, I've been in some spaces where that's happened too. And, uh, listen, I, it's always worst being like the one black person there. And it's like, they're, they're saying these things openly sort of in front. It's almost like they're, yeah. I, I, I feel weird. Cause they're like, oh, they're comfortable enough to say this shit in front of me. You know, I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's a weird feeling, but anyways, please, please continue. Yeah, so it's kind of like when that ends up being the dynamic, it's kind of, you don't really have that much confidence in the ability of the organization to achieve the other aims it says without recreating the same problems that already exist in the system. Right, right. I I, I think... You know, I think that does somewhat connect to the Sam Adler Bell article about the language of wokeness. There is something about like the, you know, it's when I hear something like that, it's not that, you know, that, you know like someone like DSA or some other organization or something, I don't mean to put them on blast, I'd, you know, take another organization that any organization in your mind that's progressive and that talks about, but we need more uh black people or we need more, you know, gay people or anything like that. It's not that I, like sometimes, yeah, you, you do need diversity of perspectives in the room for sure. But that framing, that quota framing of diversity and inclusion is to me, a capitalist invention. It is one that completely takes away the humanity of what it is to have like a, a black experience in America and boils it down to not the person, not the kind of ideological difference you're really trying to look for in diversity and inclusion, but boils it down to uh, how can we take a picture of our company and people won't accuse us of being racist. It's this this very inauthentic and uh, very uh, intellectually, like, not curious picture way of looking at people and at diversity as a, as a thing, you know, it's, it's, it's the same as like the, the corporatization of gay pride month, right. With (laughs) this thing that now you have all of these corporations like, Hey, our Oreos are super gay. Come get them because they want to sell more Oreos. And they've now made like a, a sort of a calculative move that they understand that selling Oreos they'll sell more Oreos if they, if they just put some gay stuff on it for a month and it, it ends up being, you know, like what are the actual drivers of these sort of initiatives? Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's a big element of it where it's just all a performance and there is no real intention to change people's material conditions in a way that, you know, is, disproportionately impacts some people more than others, you know, but sure. um, like, I feel like I don't know how to be in spaces with people who want to focus on economic issues when they have like such clear um, blind spots that if you point them out, they don't really want to address them. Even if you do it in the gentlest possible way, you know, right? Uh, like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't, say things that way um people sometimes if it's coming from you they don't really want to hear it 
A hundred percent. That's true too. And I do think that also speaks to a need for us to have better tools to actually have these sorts of internal conflicts to bring up these issues and actually deal with them in a, in a real and a uh, productive way. Uh, and you, you know, you should be able to call out things when they're performative. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I think Sean was talking about a little bit too, really about how, Iron sharpens iron. Really, these look. We're 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 all, for the most part. I mean, I don't know who all is in this call. I don't know all of your backgrounds, but we're all at least dorky enough to want to come onto a call in and talk about theory or talk about like whatever, right? Like we we all have enough of like an interest in or enough like intellectual curiosity. I'm assuming to to have our ideas challenged and to want to challenge each other's ideas. Uh, the iron sharpens iron. Like this should be strategically for the left. We should have a huge advantage with this because when it comes to actually breaking things down, when it comes to deconstructing, when it comes to analysis, I think we can, we really fuck with the best of them. Honestly, we really can. I mean, like Karl Marx and all that, that he ain't no joke. You know what I mean? Like, that's a pretty good deconstruction of capitalism. And these are the kinds of conversations that we should be having and welcoming with each other because iron sharpens iron. And, and we're trying to get to the, the, the most correct solutions here. Um, but they end up just being like, either we don't want to hurt each other's feelings or people don't want to hear what we – I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of issues with it. I mean, do you, how, how do you feel about it, Sonia? Yeah, I feel like if you aren't willing to subscribe 100% to what, like, people have decided you're supposed to believe in, um, like, people just start tossing arbitrary, (laughs) random, ad hominem attacks at you. Like, if you're around conservatives, they'll call you a liberal. If you're around liberals, they'll call you a conservative. Um, (laughs) It's just like... um, people don't really want to engage with the ideas. They just want to like come up with some clever comeback. And I don't know. um, It's like, it seems like that happens a lot online and it's just seeping into everyday discourse too. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? um, Do you think it would be better if we were all like in a circle looking each other in the eyes talking about it and you know maybe taking drugs (laughs) (laughs) yeah who knows (laughs) yeah i i I, yeah it's it's you know i i I guess that's why i wanted to do this episode because i'm trying to figure it out you know i i would like us to have more productive conversations and more productive organizing efforts and uh, you know, I don't know. Do, what, what do you think we could do about it, Sonia? How do you think we we get to a place to where it's not like the online discourse that we're having now? I mean, I've personally not really been online for like very many years. Um, oh, you smart, smart person. Been, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just been starting to like, I think the pandemic really uh, changed that. But yeah. I, feel like I've been focusing a lot more on just 
uh, the local political aspect of things because I feel like while people are having arguments in organizations that sometimes they're effective, sometimes they're not, um, other people are just, whether they're a part of a party or not, just going to city council and getting their voices heard and getting policies implemented. Right. And so I feel like, you know, just focusing attention in that direction has been a lot more fruitful for the communities that I've been in. But yeah, um, I mean, I feel like there could be a way to connect those efforts across communities and like coordinate as far as class interest goes. But right. I mean, I feel like if you try to do something on an individual level, like Gail McLaughlin tried to do in Richmond using eminent domain to take over um, underwater mortgages, um, they like really get together and lobby Congress to ensure people can't do that again. So you'd have to have like a widespread coordinated effort to prevent them from being able to have like a ready counterattack like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where it gets difficult, right? Or with the, you know, lo locally you can enact real change. You can actually get a lot of real stuff done that affects lives, uh, people's lives. And that actually are concrete sort of goals and accomplishments that make, uh, getting over some of those internal struggles a little bit easier. Um, but nationally, uh, you know, as we get up to, I guess, a more macro level, it becomes harder and harder. And really what I would like to know and what I'd really want to figure out and what part of what this episode and what I'm trying to just figure out in my head is how do we, how do we, is there a way maybe to use this sort of guerrilla warfare version of resistance that we have going on in our own communities locally to leverage that into something bigger nationally uh, and not like not to abandon, you know, the post of doing that work locally, which I think is super, super important and undervalued. Uh, but, you know, eventually we do have to confront something like the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. We do have to have a plan for something like access to healthcare in as many, like uh, across the nation, totally. And, and like Rika says, and build real power. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, how do we do that? I mean, I feel like when it comes to getting people into higher levels of office who would do those sorts of things, it's a matter of like maybe getting them early before they get too high up and convincing them to go third party or independent. Um, just kind of point out all the flaws with the two party system and see if they'd be, you know, interested yeah. in something like that, because I feel like there are people on the ground who are doing the work. They may even be apolitical and like working in a different sphere. Um, but I feel like there are people who kind of have a track record that they can point back to and show like, look, I am a trustworthy person. I'm authentic. When yeah. I get into these places, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do because I've been doing it. Um, but I mean, when it comes to like how to do that right off the bat right now, I just feel like 
there may be somebody who emerges like in 2015, nobody knew who Bernie Sanders was, but it was like he had enough of a good track record. And the fact that he wasn't taking any corporate money really just made him an ideal candidate for the moment. Yeah. And I feel like if somebody else emerges who could possibly fill that space, you never know what could happen. You know what? I think we should just start taking that space. I, I honestly like I, I'm tired of waiting for people to emerge. I think waiting for people to emerge is part of the problem. I think us in our flawed little bullshit selves, I can do a better job than Donald Trump. Like, and I don't even know shit. And I like, I just, we don't like power. Like, I don't like, I don't like the idea of actually, actually having power, but it's a necessary component to actually effectuate change. But I do think we should start like, the only thing I'll say is like, I'm not waiting for motherfuckers to emerge anymore. I'm just like, uh, if I see someone that is coming in or if I'm like in a position and I'm like, well, fuck it, there's nobody else. I say we just do it. We just like go for it. And then if we fail, just fail. Who cares? Like at this point, it's the stakes are too high. You know, the stakes are too high. If I got to be the one trying to swim or you got to be the one trying to swim in the water and like, I don't know, get water off the boat. I don't know what the analogy is here, right? I, I don't know what it is, but I, I do feel like we're waiting for the hero is also, it's just not going to work. And I don't believe in heroes. I just, I believe people who do good work, but it's the work that they do that gave them a lot of value. Really. It's, it's the, it's the, you know, like I, I feel like deification of people to some extent works against our ability to have a movement um, because it kind of expects all of our pe- heroes to be all things, you know, all good things. Um, when, you know, like part of the, sometimes you just need motherfuckers who are effective at something and, you know, maybe it's like Martin Luther King Jr. Maybe he's getting a little something on the side and you're not very happy about it, but like, Look, the dude is giving good speeches. You know, like I don't know, I don't know how to reconcile some of that shit. You know, um, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts, Sonia, or is it? Yeah, I mean, okay. I think it's just a matter of you know the fact that the internet exists now, and yeah, if you have skeletons in your closet and you've taught them how to dance, like. I say go for it. Run for whatever position, yeah. you know, you're capable of uh, running for. But I feel like a lot of people don't want to run just because uh, we live in conservative areas. And it's oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I, I have at some point. I mean, I, I have at yeah. some point like pictures from high school, which should not be out there, where I used to be like the king of the mangina. So I would like, this is way back in the day. So for those of you kids who don't know, mangina is basically when you just tuck your dick in between your legs and do a little squeeze, and it looks like you have a vagina. It was, for some reason, hilarious. In high school, very funny. Uh, I still remember some people in like a, I was like, I don't know, it was like in a lunch or something, but some of the older, uh, I don't know, I must have been like a sophomore at the time, but some senior girls were like, hey, come over here, show us your mangina. And I did, and they just took a picture of it. And I know that's going to come back. I know all of you are going to see my 15-year-old mangina at some point in time. Uh, but that's just part of it, you know? Like, look, if I have to look at a bunch of pictures of manginas to to get health care, I'll do it. I don't give a fuck. But, um, you know, those uh, that's the other aspect of it. But 
I mean, I don't, I don't even know how you respond to that, Sonia. I, I totally agree. I feel like uh, with generational changes that are happening, like maybe yeah. people are, will be more receptive to it. Um, I just feel like a lot of the people who vote are, you know, a lot older. So yeah. um, as long yeah. as we can get young people to turn out, which I think you really could if you've got people energized enough and got a candidate they really could believe in but yeah. if that person ended up selling out like it would be the end of everything yeah and that's you know having less i guess choke points for people to sell out would be great um which again is why i'm against deification generally but sonia thank you so much for calling uh thank you for your lovely comments uh, please call back attend anytime you're always welcome in the fred hampton Inn suites yeah thanks for taking my call have a good day yeah, you too. All right. Up next, uh, show regular and a fellow lover of Conflict is Not Abuse. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Rika. Hey. Woo, Rika, what up? What up? What's happening? Oh, my God. I um, haven't heard Mangina in ages. <laughs> I haven't heard that phrase since I like Austin Powers. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Holy shit. Throwback. I know, right? Yeah. Bring it back. Let's bring it back. <laughs> That's, it, it's time. I don't, I don't know about all that. I don't know about <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's but, fair. That's fair. I appreciate I appreciate you being vulnerable there. <laughs> Sharing yeah. your mangina with us. Yeah, well, you know, Thank fuck you. it. I my my political aspirations have always been dead before they were ever beginning <laughs> to begin with. So whatever. I'll I'll be a podcaster. You can do that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> also wanna say, um, shout out to Shy Towny. I lived there for probably like over a year it's one of my favorite cities so yeah loved it. Loved it. yeah loved it. in the summer it's it's hard to beat i'll say that but yeah the winter is something <laughs> else yeah that's <laughs> it is rough well i um i wanted to say like what sean shared was i just want to give props to sean for sharing that story yeah. and that passion that fire um, and Sonia is literally after my own heart as an organizer, just just spitting some stuff out there that I was just like, oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So just like yeah. love, love all the voices, love your love, how your um, call in is just growing and growing. Um, so cool. So exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it, too. It's great. I, I think a lot. It's showing me how much people have to add. To, yeah. to this conversation and how much, you know, like, it, it's almost like a therapy session for me at this point. I just listen to y'all <laughs> give me hope. You know? yeah. Well, yeah. I um, like very much like Sean, though, I don't know if this is going to give you all that much hope, but like lot, you know, just related to the articles that Ryan Grimm wrote and whatnot, I, like very much um have been involved with and personally experienced and or witnessed similar things happening um in kind of leftist progressive organizations usually nonprofit spaces where they internal struggle leads to them being dysfunctional or even falling apart entirely yeah um but i i have a i kind of do have a very different perspective on it i think a lot of it so i think a lot of it is being attributed to a particular type of quote unquote wokeness 
um, culture and a in and a sensitivity that people um, should not have or or are kind of misplaced. And I think those I I don't appreciate those terms necessarily. I think they're pointing at something, but I I think I think we have a real difficult. I do believe that there is a camp of people who are coming in with more of a theoretical, ideologically driven understanding of of how they sit in relationship to power and oppression in the world and get into work situations where they're supposed to be working for a values-driven organization that's supposed to be about creating a different world than what they um, understand the world to be. And so then there's these kind of this disruption that happens when their expectations aren't met by that. Mm, and yeah. that, that cognitive dissonance um, really does lead to people internalizing behavior that is not um, as being harmful and violent in ways that may not actually be as harmful or violent as their inherited intellectual analysis of the world would purport it to be. Mm. I, you know, and I think we definitely, I've definitely witnessed this around particularly how people of color um, engage in some of these organizations and experience what they have deemed as white supremacy culture. And some of which I would agree with. I, I don't think, you know, I don't want to throw baby out with the bathwater with that analysis of the world. Right. Um, but I do think that there has been like, you know, if, if when someone disagrees with you and they're your boss, it doesn't always necessarily translate to them uh, oppressing you, you know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think the part that's not being talked about in these conversations is a, a thing about accountability. Um, mm. And I think there are many organizations who have who have harmed or betrayed the interests of the community they purport to represent. Um, we see this happen all the time with a lot of mostly um, like identity based organizations. Um, it's not just BLM. It's uh, you know the and when I mean BLM, I mean the foundation. Not uh, it's there's like LGBTQ organizations that do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a oftentimes not only do they do harm to their the communities that they purport to represent and to support they have done harm to their employees and there is oftentimes not a vehicle for redress or to address really those those harms done and so then you often have people taking and escalating actions really quickly because they know how to organize. Um, although I would argue probably not the best or seasoned at learning how to deal with conflict within that. Yeah. Um, and then they'll, they tend to, you know, tar- like go after these people um, who have power in the organization. Usually they're the leaders and who have not been held accountable for a, a lot of shit. And then that gets aired in in community to people. Um, do, do you think it's 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 always 
that, or do you think it's because I, I, I don't disagree. There is some like some of this is about you know a lot of these organizations which have sort of been steeped in their ways, or uh, they might organize a certain way, or they might say you know uh, everyone shut up and sit down and get with the program. Uh, some of it, some of the internal culture of these organizations do need to be. Uh, I guess optimized in a way to where accountability is also part of the organization's culture. Uh, but I think back to, you know, that other Ryan Grimm piece with, um, I think it was Buffalo, New York or somewhere, mm-hmm. or, or maybe mm-hmm. it was Vermont. I, I can't remember, but yeah, with that and, 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 you know, that situation seemed like the accountability part was really, they the really campaign. tried to make that happen. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and other shit just started getting in the way. And I, I don't know. I have a hard, well, I'll say this. I have a hard time believing it's just an accountability issue. No. And I wouldn't say that it is. I would not say that it's just any, anyone. I, we're pulling out all the multiple threads here, right? right? What I'm, what I'm just saying is that what these pieces fail to account for is the fact that there are organizations where there has been an inability for their leadership to actually account for the harms or you know that they've done to people right and and with, with, and I think we're we're do when we what where I so what I love about what Ryan's piece illustrates is that is this phenomenon of dysfunction internal chaos though but my cringe aspect of it is that it's being attributed solely to um, a naivete or a self-centeredness of uh, people who work within these organizations. And yeah. to me, I don't, I don't always feel that is, that is necessarily representative of all the dysfunction in leftist organizations necessarily. And, and I don't know if Ryan's making that claim always either but you know in 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 his comments he or when he's being interviewed on you know the the lefty channels he talks about like you know there has to you, you're not an individual you have to be part of this collective you know we're, we're we're trying to make collective change like you know and then he went on to talk about how when employees at Guttmacher went to unionize they wouldn't after they were voluntarily recognized they wouldn't agree to um a no strike right policy right right and you know, I'm, I, I think for, you know, and, and what I'm hearing underneath that is, is like, can y'all just like, he may not be saying this explicitly, but what it, what it certainly feels like is he's saying, you know, why don't y'all just shut up and get over it? It's yeah. Cause there's, we got bigger fish to fry. Yeah. And I, I definitely, definitely sympathetic to that sentiment. And, you know, I think Sean was kind of pointing out to that earlier, pointing at that earlier in kind of, um, when he was recounting his stories and whatnot, but I I struggle with some of the ways in which we can use that sense of like greater urgency and greater good to completely dismiss the ways in which people who are who are who are in fact powerful in some of these organizations, yeah, um, and. And, and the harm that they've caused either either by allowing for other people in their organizations to harm people or in 
trying to facilitate leading an organization through really, really horrible, unstrategic ways and causing harm to the communities that they purport to represent. And so I guess I, it's, it's a, it's a mixed bag for me is what I'm trying to get at is that I, I think that there's layers to this conversation that we can't just attribute to people being overly sensitive all the time. Though I do yeah. think that there's a important component to that. I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I, I, and look, I will say that Ryan Grimm, uh, we're not, all of us have biases, whether they're conscious or unconscious or whatever. But yeah. there is a a framing of this to where all internal sort of struggles on the left now become attributed to oversensitivity of the individual members or... Yeah. And and that's, you know, I, I think you brought up a really good example with the union, uh, union organizing process, because that is... Yeah. Um, you know, is should that be categorized in the same way as some of the other uh, internal struggles at Gutenbach? I see, I don't see, know. That's that is the thing to me is that w- w- Ryan is trying or Brian, <laughs> Ryan yeah. is pointing to a larger phenomena of right. how of how there how these dysfunctions happen untimely, inconveniently for us, um, and can and how do we address that when when we don't when the window for opportunity around actions and legislation or whatever what have you isn't always there and always always guaranteed right Right. and so that i I like you know cool i'm picking up what he's putting down i'm following him on that journey but then when we start diving into some of these specifics you know that those details do kind of matter the details of which organizations matter the details of who we're talking about matters, right? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and, you know, we can't, I, I'm not really interested in, in necessarily flattening all of those instances uh, as being equal and the same necessarily, I, though we can also understand that the impact is pretty unfortunate. Right. And I, I, you know, I, I think for me, an, a, solu- a solution around some of this is really needing to um, think about how we understand each organization or a lot of organizations, what they'll often do, or not not all of them, but many, what they'll do is they'll, they'll have very, very clear, like, ideological principles and visions for how they do their work, why they do the work the way that they do it and why it matters and in the long run and et cetera. Right. Right. And if you're being hired into that organization and you don't see any of that, or you do see it and you don't agree with any of it. Right. We have to, I think people need to start really sussing out whether or not they need to participate in that organization. Right. Because, because we can't, we can't, if, or, you know, if this organization doesn't if it doesn't fuck with your worldview or your tactics or your level of militancy or whatever then you have to as an individual agent in the world really come to terms with whether or not you're gonna be in it and for how long or at all and i think if we just encourage people (laughs) in general to 
do their shit. If, the, if you have a political project that you are invested in and want to do, go out there and do it and be a part of it, right? Like make it happen. Um, and that sounds like, you know, like I'm putting the onus on the individual all the time, but you know, you can start some really, really powerful shit um, with us with just starting with a small group of friends who share your vision, share your worldview, and you want to generating a base of people who are going to follow your your strategy. I mean, like you know, someone yeah. mentioned about what happened in Colombia, um, you know, and how people are like you know dying from political violence all the time, et cetera, and they're still they're still doing it, right? They're still out there doing it. So right. like, I think, I think you know. I, I I think there is um, quite honestly a lack of experience and maturity around w- what it means to be a part of movement organizations, what it means to engage and to to, uh, to because they're because their jobs or they become professionalized jobs. So then people right. who are coming through um, whether college or not see that as an opportunity to you know, grow, develop and make money and make something happen. They don't understand though, that there's also like a, a, the deeper aspect that they really have to like ask themselves, like, are you, is this going to be your political home? And if not, then, then create that boundary and go make your political home somewhere else. Right. Treat this as the job part, right? If you're going to stay with the organization, but treat it more like the job that it, that it is and recognize that, uh, it may not give you all forms of fulfillment that you're looking for both politically and personally in that yeah. sense. And that's, I think that's a, it's, it's difficult to come to that realization with some of these organizations that are like the ACLU, which have this sort of storied history, or at least this, this, uh, veneer around them of like, uh, being, being progressive. Is what? <laughs> being progressive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. being, oh, this is a premier organization of progressives. You know, it's it's this thing around it that uh, when people get there and it's like, yo, I need you to fucking look at these emails and then hold this sign. Uh, it's a little, uh, it, 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 some of the gleam and some of that shine around it starts to, to fade away with just some of the, the dirt McGirt that goes with it. Um, but you kind of reminded me of, of something growing up that I think, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of an analogy here too. And you can, you can tell me if you think it is or not, but you know, growing up, one of my, one of my closest friends, um, had a tendency to, he's a great guy. And like, he's, uh, He's doing okay and everything now and all that, and we're still friends. But he he had either I forget if it was like bipolar or borderline personality disorder or something. But uh, he has a tendency to like when things would get you're like in a heated conversation or you start getting into an argument or something. He would kind of like he'd get pretty lit, and he mm-hmm. would sort of just start talking a lot and then talk over you and then mm-hmm. like not. Uh, listen to you and then kind of like, you know, you know, stuff that just happens. It was like something switched in his brain and then he, he would fly off the handle for a little bit. And then you kind of had to like get him to calm down or, or you had to like come back to the, to, to get him centered. And I remember one time we were having a fight 
or an argument about, um, I don't know, it had something to do with his family or something like that. And, and we were talking about families and uh, sort of how much deference you should give to, you know, certain traditions or and cultures and whatnot. And he, he went off on, again, he started kind of getting, uh, like getting there again and started kind of flying off the handle. And I was driving and I was just like, man, whatever you do that shit all the time. And I'm, I'm over it. And then he, he kind of stopped and he started crying. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? Like that had to happen before. A- and he told me, you know, I know what I'm like. I know that sometimes this isn't, this isn't really a normal human reaction, but when I'm saying something that's real and meaningful and also I'm making a point and the whole thing gets dismissed because at the end of the day, you think I'm overly sensitive, you've kind of missed the essence of what I'm saying. And that almost triggers me mm. too to get more dismissed. And, and that had such a fucking profound effect on me mm. because that's I deep. realized that's it's deep. deep. Here yeah. I was like, look, he didn't yeah. choose to be born with, this or whatever he you know like this is this is who he is this is part of it and now when he's saying these things i'm dismissing parts of what he's actually saying that that are true or that are relevant to the argument and dismissing it all away because when he flies off the handle it's like the excuse of everything you know you throw the baby out with the bathwater, and i think what I'm hearing from you a bit too, Rika, is that, you know, with, with, I guess one of the problems with, or one of the things we have to be very careful of with an article like this is, look, is some of this internal, uh, you know, disorganization due to some aspects of perhaps oversensitivity or misplaced sort of whatever or whatever? Yes. But like, that doesn't change the fact that you have to still address and really look for um, those sort of valid concerns when they are there. And you can't just dismiss them because, you know, the generation or the people may be overly sensitive to other things. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I do, I am very sympathetic to people who um, are struggling in the, in these kind of, leadership roles who have to figure out how to manage these crises in these moments when there are, is an overstatement of harm or there are uncooperative staff or whatever, and they're missing the point. And it is like game time. Like I get it. I absolutely get it. And I do think like there is a piece of me that if I'm being completely honest is more of like, get your shit together, y'all. I mean, I've been in situations like that where I'm like, really, this is what you want to like argue about right now when we're like, (laughs) like me you know negotiating contract with management well you know like all that crazy shit right but but i don't i'm just saying that there i i think we what this um exactly what you just re-paraphrase is like you know we're there are legitimate grievances oftentimes with Mm -hmm. people within organizations and we have to do our diligence in on the left to suss out like you know um instead of painting everything as like like i feel like we're we're so 
we are so like, oh, the left can't do shit. The left can't do shit. The left can't do shit. And I'm like, y'all, like, no, we actually can. And we have. Right. We've done really right. amazing shit. We've done really powerful shit. Mm-hmm. The, we, we're, we've gone up against a lot, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over this idea that, like, we're constantly in this critique, self-criticism mode of how we operate and the right doesn't do this, the right doesn't do that. Like, you know, Ryan Grimm asked uh, Emily in The Hill, like, yeah. does the right have this? I Emily's saw that. Like, no, I saw whatever. that. I was like, bullshit. The right yeah. has the same, the right totally has the same shit because they yeah. function as an organization. They probably don't air their dirty laundry like this. Yeah, they just keep it in know? the family. That's exactly. it. Exactly. They just keep it in the family. Ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah they that's right. You, they sexually harass you, then throw you out. You know, that's right. Like, it's, it's like <laughs> I'm just like, you know, but yeah, I, I, fucked. I think we have. I, I'm, I, I'm not saying that the, this this dysfunction isn't a problem. I've been in too many situations to see that it is real, and it can cause not only conflict for these movement organizations in the work that they're doing in the game moment in the game time moment to be absent but it can also cause and it can cause strife within the staff members who 100%, yeah. like really want to move but i just i really like i the flattening sometimes that happens with these characterizations of how these things operate makes me really hmm. uncomfortable because i don't want um there are legitimate moments and grievances that and sometimes also too by sometimes these organizations shouldn't exist i'm gonna be straight with you true like I, I you know i look at them and i'm like yeah you y'all have consistently had this problem yet you're always getting the fucking money yeah you know yeah like what's that about let's let's talk about that little yeah. nonprofit industrial complex over there right like, run and know, tell like, that yes come on <laughs> you know yeah like, come yeah on. come on so Anyway, just the little bits that I wanted to share. God damn, Rika, I can always depend on you to fucking give me some nuance up in this shit. <laughs> like every time, I think I have like I think I have my my you know uh, mind sort of set or but you know that's imp- it's look that's important. It, it's very important, and I do I do think the left we can get shit done, and we've gotten we shit done. We can. I, I think sometimes can. we forget what we get done because we want to get more done. And you just kind of forget, you know, it's kind of like when you forget also, what you've accomplished in life because you're, you're on to the next thing or whatever, you know? I, I also think we need to embrace the diversity of the tactics, but that is another conversation. Perhaps. Yes. Maybe not, not online. Yes. So I will <laughs> let you go. I will let you go, by. appreciate yeah. it so, so much. Rika, so always much. a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for calling in. Take care. You too. All right, and next up, we have another show regular. Everyone give it up for Shelly! Hello, hello. What's going on, Shelly? How are you doing? Um, I'm doing great, um, but I was just going to say, because you know I'm going to be here the whole time. Right. Um, I think Julio and Daw are new to your show. Yes, they so are. I'm going to just prioritize them in front of me, and we can just cut it up at the end. Hell yeah, let's do that. Let's do okay, that. Shelly, uh, the homie Shelly. Okay, let's do it. All right, next up, uh, looks like... Is it, I can't see, Julio or Julia? Julio. It's Julio. Hey, what's going on, Julio? Thanks for calling in. Oh, 
hey, brother. I really, really, uh, this is the first time I've ever listened. And, man, you're a hell of a host doing a really good job. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, and your guests yeah. are your guests have been great. Uh, Sean was great. Uh, yeah. Mika, who just went, right? A ton of nuance, really lovely. Yeah. And then I also appreciated Sonia, of course. Yeah, they're great. They're great. I, I, I don't know what it is about this show, but I've been uh, I've been really blessed to have some fucking bang out call-ins uh like the people who call in are for real always giving some really like throwing down some really good shit and i i honestly don't know how that happened but i'm not complaining about it you know <laughs> I'll, I'll take yeah. it yeah well i really liked uh i liked you preempting the bide uh mangina gates game <laughs> that'll be fun and then um, yeah get ready <laughs> the thing the thing that struck me the most though the thing that i really appreciated was that story you told um about your friend and how you sort of learn to be more generous with him. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. I was, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, I think that's, that's why I kind of called in. I think everything I have to contribute has been said in many ways, but I think that, and I haven't read the um, Ryan Grimm article, but it seems to me that there is this, neurotic non-serious conflation with entertainment and politics right now and yeah. a lot of that happens online right yeah i'm guilty as charged brother <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here doing this podcast being pretty entertained too but yeah you're right i mean you're very right um and i do think that that ends up taking away a lot of the nuance in a lot of these stories and also framing them in ways that are uh made for maximum sort of click value as opposed to the actual value of the legitimacy of the conversation. Absolutely. What I like about Colin actually is that it's not a conventional podcast. It's more like, you know, actual Colin talk radio. Yeah. And it's really, really, really tremendous for me to be able to hear the voices and, you know, the feeling and the tone uh, that comes through, through Colin. And I think that that makes this tool kind of uh, dangerous because I do think that if, as, if it continues to grow and have an impact, if they fix the bugs and things like that, at some point it, it might, uh, you know, it might have censorship and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I mean, like, but you're right. Like, it, it's amazing how much, how words coming out of someone's mouth are so different when you can hear the intonation and just some of the nuance there, you know? Yeah, and the fact that the platform is so new really gives people like you an opportunity, or me, an opportunity to hear people like you who I yeah. would never reach out to. Yeah. So I wanted to answer your question, I guess, a little bit. It's just uh, you ask, how do we sort of get through this non-seriousness or whatever? I, I think that because we are conflating entertainment with politics, a lot of people are scared of the things that they say and that they do because they're not – really deeply interrogated beliefs and they mm. need to have their worldviews validated. So I think if, if we can get some healing uh, within the left, I think that comes from uh, like looking around at our surroundings to look at where we physically are. We are closest to the things in our life that we can change yeah. and reaching out. And that means learning to love other people, uh, yeah. forming community bonds that extend beyond consumption and physically distant relationships and, I think yeah. it, and all that goes to you know transforming our social economic arrangement so so fundamentally i believe that the supreme deed is to give of yourself 
It's like when you give money, you give a little, but when you give of yourself, you give everything. Yeah. And it's very, yeah. It takes a lot of courage to give of yourself and it's very scary. Yeah. I'll say that. But it's like you said, we can't wait for someone else to come save us. You, you know, man, that's, that's beautiful, first of all. But, uh, you know, and this is going to be another episode that we do, but, uh, God. So one of, I was raised Episcopalian, so I was raised Christian. And the one, you know, I've, I've, I've changed my, my views on religion a lot, but the one thing I can't get over is how giving that giving of yourself aspect, how powerful that is to me or how, how I, I don't know, like the idea of doing something for the benefit of others, giving of yourself unto others for no reward, for no expectation, but just doing it. There's something profound about that. And I think it's, you know, to some extent, it's why Jordan Peterson has a career, um, for better or worse. But uh, I, I think that's right. And I think there's, I think the thing that makes people more willing to give of themselves is humanizing other people and getting to know other people's humanity and, 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 you know, being able to talk to them and sit down and, and actually interact with another human being and see that they're not really that different from you. They have the same wants and desires and, uh, expectations or, 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 you know, dreams out of, out of life. And, you know, like, yeah, that, I, I think, that's always worth fighting for. Absolutely. I think you absolutely, absolutely nailed it. Um, if I can touch on, uh, religion a little bit. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I, I have shared this before, but I grew up uh, in the Quaker religion, the silent Quakers. Oh, uh, y'all are the best. <laughs> so I, so what I, yeah. I describe, so I'm an atheist. I actually have a degree yeah, okay. in science. Oh, and, wow. Um, yeah. But God does mean something to me. Yeah. And I think that it's really valuable. Um, for me, God is the truth that all is one. And the truth to me is a feeling. So knowing God is knowing the truth. And that means you know because you feel it. And I don't yeah. know. For me, I feel the sensation of wholeness and oneness. Uh, and it, it feels it's very fleeting. But it usually happens when I am able to turn my ego down. And usually that happens when I'm doing something automatic like uh, gardening or I'm out looking yeah. at birds or something like that. But yeah. the feeling the feeling of communion for me is like being lit up from inside and shining into all things. It's like an out-of-body experience that is just like this disembodied feeling of ecstasy and love. And it is short. It, it moments. It, it, it leaves me. But, but I think that, uh, you know, that's the ticket. And I think that I try to encourage young people, especially people who are secular or atheists, to check out the, um, the Quakers because they have existing infrastructure. This is similar to what RBN is advocating with hmm. the Green Party. The Green Party has a national infrastructure for electoral politics. It's filled with a bunch of older people um, who are would love to bring in younger people to help, and the same can be said with, you know, a lot of our these uh, churches that we have that are more 
geared towards social justice and, you know, or non-hierarchical. And, you know, Quakers don't have a church. It's a meeting house. There's no yeah. church. There's no priest, yeah. no pastor, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, I mean, I did a whole, <laughs> I did a whole episode on basically like, what if we just all got together, took shrooms and felt eternal oneness? Would we get rid of a lot of our problems? Um, <laughs> and we would feel closer. I definitely think so. But that, I think that's a, you know, that's always a feeling worth, worth chasing and cherishing when it does come, you know, it, the, the wholeness of community is, is really a beautiful and powerful thing and it holds you up. Yeah. But you have to, you, you sort of have to find your way there. It doesn't come all at once. And it requires you looking internally, interrogating your beliefs and seeing other, again, learning to love other people. I think that really is the ticket. I know it's corny and everything, but it's so difficult for us in this society that says everyone is an individual and everybody's building their own castle and focused yeah. on getting yeah. their bag and getting out. Yeah. I, I think commute, whole community is the opposite of that. And I think that's what's being sucked out of this, the sacred social space. Oh, definitely. Because there ain't none to, uh, to commodify in that, you know, you can't, how am I, if, if you're not out there consuming a bunch of bullshit, you don't need, uh, how are you going to, you know, like if you're not doing that, how am I going to make money by selling all that bullshit you don't need? Um, it's, I do think, you know, look, there's a reason why people who be chasing that bag, a lot of them chase, 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 and they get to the top and it feels just as empty. Um, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm I'm here. I'm, I'm successful at a young age. I've got the degrees. I've got the salary. I've got the benefits and it's all cold comfort. When I got starving people, on the street corners, I got people coming to my door begging for work. I got all these crises going on, and I got my own issues in my life. Yeah. It's 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 terrible. But Bide, I just wanted to say thanks again so much for doing man, this. Thank you, and thank you for being so vulnerable and open. And you know, like, look, man, if you're looking for community, if we can give it to you here, come on back. You're you're always welcome. But and if you can teach our asses about some community shit, like we're we're down to listen. Like that's. That's the whole point. That's all power to the people. All power to the people, baby. Let's go. Thank you so much, Julio. Yeah. Nice talking with you. All right. Up next, we got Ja. Ja, go ahead and unmute yourself and welcome to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. I love the name of this call in. (laughs) It's just fabulous. I'm a sucker for puns and things like that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, by good to be um, in in conversation with you. Uh, this has been great. Love to hear from all the people, and thank you, Shelly, for um, advocating for me being bumped up towards the front. I appreciate that very much. I look forward to hearing from you as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, sensitivity. Um, yeah. Dysfunction. <laughs> Organizations. <laughs> Big fun. You know. Yeah. Been so much good stuff that's been said. Uh, Rika had said something about, um, you know, legitimate grievances and, and the way that people conduct themselves and the way that we conduct ourselves during disagreement. Just all sorts of stuff comes up, and you really do have to um, investigate it, um, kind of case by case, and, and start to build. What do you call it? 
I'm not going to say rules for lack of a better term, but you, you know, there are guidelines that we can yeah. build within organizations that can really help uh, to keep the abuse out of conflict because right. exactly. abuse does creep into conflict. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, the it does. conflict itself is just not abuse. Yeah. Saying conflict is not abuse does not mean that abuse does not cause conflict and that there's abuse that can be found in conflict, right? Like, that's all true. Like, of course, that's true. All day, every day. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking about, like, uh, you know, you said something about sitting in a circle, and you also mentioned shrooms, which is, is fabulous, but... Um, <laughs> I was, it got me thinking about platforms like Colin um, and so many other platforms that we use online. And they're of course, very capitalist in the way that they're set up. Like you think about it, you're on a stage, um, you know, metaphysically right now, you're, you're the circle at the top. You're, you're alone there as a speaker, you control um, how long. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. You're the arbiter of truth. Someone was just talking about this very. <laughs> That's <constant>. correct. <laughs> right. With I'm the king of this calling. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um, kind of. I think Brianna was talking about. Was it Brianna that was talking about? Brianna's real great. She's yeah. talking about um, what, what happened to Crystal Ball on Bill Maher, where she was she was dropping bombs. Yeah. I mean. And and there was no response from Bill. There was this very much like I'm just gonna let that. I'm gonna let this obliteration of yeah. of all this nonsense go unaddressed almost, and act like it just didn't happen. Yeah. Or that and it wasn't so, like it was just you know, it just throw away. It was just okay. All right, are you done? It's just crystal ball being crystal ball. Right. Right. <laughs> right. right. It's a really, her thing. There were incredible things to I mean, you know, very simple things that a lot of us understand. But really, to that audience, it was some it was it was like I said, there were bombs. And so more about these sort of platforms um, as opposed to circles, you know, you're. Yeah. Yeah. There's a power differential. Yeah, I, I once got nexted on Brianna's uh, show a long time ago because I was like, I, I guess I had the nerve to say that I don't see it for 2024. I don't see who's going to step up, who, you know, what it's going to look like, who is going to be, how it's going to happen. I just don't see it. And not to say that it's not going to happen, but I just don't see it. And, she, you know, Brianna was she was over it. <laughs> You know, and she was like, "All right, I'm next in your ass. Bye." Oh, for uh, real? <laughs> yeah, that that happened, and I yeah. was like, "Dang, man, I didn't even get to say what I wanted to say. I yeah. didn't get to explain myself, and I just pissed Brianna off, which is fine. But that kind of stuff can happen in these sort of uh, platforms. But you know, yeah, I'm, I mean, those that, that kind of thing can happen in in real life in in mm-hmm. like any any situation right i do think Mm -hmm. it's interesting because something like colin it's almost like you know it's not like the drum circle (laughs) but it's it's not like the drum you know we're not here doing the the circle thing but there is like an element to it that to me there is an element that's more inherently sort of communal 
Mm-hmm. Like even with like I've been in on a couple of Brianna's episodes on here too, and you know the, I, I try to run my call in kind of like she does or model it sort of like hers in the show just because I think it's there. There's like a flow to it that I think kind of works right and part of me in the back of my head is thinking about, okay, if I was going to listen to this later, just to listen to it, how would that become like listenable? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like w- mm-hmm. would, would this be like a coherent thing that can actually uh, be understood? And, you know, because part of that too is like, I do want hmm. more of these messages to sort of be out there, you know? Yeah. I, I, and and that does sort of nece- uh, necessitate, to some extent, like some level of control in a situation like this. Because it's interesting. I've been on a lot of, like, I-, I like to, like, fuck around with this app whenever I'm not doing the show. And just, like, I'll go into, like, the smallest little call-ins and shit and just be mm-hmm. listening. And, you know, like, I wish you could do it anonymously because I'd be all up in this shit, Joe. I'd be, I'd be <laughs> everywhere in this bitch. I swear to God. I'd be, like, just anonymously listening. But I don't like, you know, when you're one of, like, three people in the in the room, it's always, like, you still have kind of the spotlight on you a little bit, even if you're not talking, if you're not doing anything. But, like, I, oh, yeah. I listen to, you know, I listen to some of the conversations and sometimes, like, like, I was listening to one and it had a bunch of different speakers and it ended up just being everyone talking over each other. And one guy in particular who started accusing everyone of being like fascist leftists or whatever. Oh, no. And it became like Twitter. It became like and and I, I was worried about like I, I, I do worry about that shit. Right. Like, well, if there's a circle model, there's still even governing guidelines within a circle model that keep that kind of stuff from happening. There's always a, uh, what do you call it? Not a mediator, but a, mm. you know, shoot the talking stick, pass the cards, yeah, all that yeah, stuff. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there, sense. there was all these basic, always these basic things that existed since the beginning of men having to, and I say man, I mean mankind, having to... Um, nope, too late, you're canceled. I know. You're canceled, John. Ja. You said men, it's over. Oh. It's the gig yep. is up. Or Damn whatever. it. Yeah. Once a day, by the way, by, I'm canceled <laughs> by somebody. It yeah, I, I cancel myself once a day, I'm pretty sure. At least once a day. Um, but you yeah, sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt your flow, but you were well, saying. Well, nah. It, there's also this bias of like, if you're on the stage, you're the smartest person. And I know, like, you know, as a host, you probably feel some pressure a- a- about that sort of a thing. Like, I'm sure you have the, the pressure to respond to things. And say and and talk about stuff that you know, or if you don't know something, you know, I don't know. Get out the uh, the top hat and the cane and the tap dancing shoes. You know what I'm saying? You got to do yeah, something, right? When yeah. you're the person that's uh, under the lights. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, well, I know what you're talking about, and I, I mean, I know Brianna's talked about this. I know people have mm-hmm. talked about it. I don't. I I feel some pressure now, but not really. This is just fucking. Right now, it's just fucking fun for me. I mean, honestly, if if I had a dream. For this show, I would be like a a dumbass leftist, more leftist version of like a Joe Rogan or something, and I just listen to people and be like, "Oh, that's so interesting." And I just it's be a good getting, model. I just be sitting here and getting high and like fucking having my mind blown by people who you know when I'm not the smartest person in the room because it's you know a good I like model. 
I, I'm not. Like, to be clear, um, you know, I have some fucking degrees and shit, but they don't, I mean, I've never been a good student, and I'm not very <laughs> studious. I mean, like, part of this show is me, okay, so I have to come up with something that I think would be interesting to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. And then I have to research it, and it's it's kind of, one of the reasons I do kind of like doing it right now is because I'm kind of forced to go and read this shit, and I do have to sort of become a little more engaged than I was before, and even when I do that, though, I mean, I think the thing that I really like about at least this call-in model so far is, like, some people, if they have some interest in the topic, will stick around. And if they know a lot more about the topic or something like that, they're calling in. And mm-hmm. they can call in, and then suddenly it's like you got a guest. You know, you have this guest who is actually doing a better job at educating people or talking about the issues while you're here, you know, to everyone who's here. So it's kind of like everyone benefits from that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I had a whole one time I was just talking about, you know, I was talking about like mushrooms and uh, different stuff. And I had this like drug counselor call in who had such amazing things to say. And, you know, that kind of blew my mind while I was doing it. It, It's just, I don't know. I mean, like, look, I, here, here's the thing. I don't believe in, like, like I've said a couple times on here, like, I I don't believe people are really better than each other or, like, I, you know, some people, they are very good at what they do. I think Brianna Joy Gray is uh, very good at sticking to points and, and in a debate. Like, she would be a fucking monster of a litigator <laughs> if she ever wanted to litigate. Like, a goddamn fu- – I would be terrified – to go against her in court. Oh yeah, Brie don't play. She don't play. She's very, very sharp. And I think, and I don't think all of that's just like the Harvard shit either, because I know a lot of stupid motherfuckers from Harvard. No offense to Harvard, but a lot of your motherfuckers are stupid. No offense. Like, I'm like anyone can get through. It's not the credentials. It's like she's she's got a gift for it. She knows what she's doing. She, uh, she's very good at that. But like, you know, I don't think that makes her better than anybody you know what i mean or that makes like uh, to me like the the demagoguery is an illusion you know it 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 it, it is a it takes you away from the 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 richness well the richness it takes you away from like both well the richness of human beings generally yes and of all of us but it also takes you like you don't you don't just worship people like people are just people, you know, like if y'all could see me after a call in or something and like, look, if you walk in on me and I'm just like jacking off, you know, <laughs> that gets rid of the fucking mystique real fucking quick. You know what I'm saying? Jacking it's off like, with, your, with, with your mangina though. Bye. That's right. Well, my mangina, I got it tucked and I'm reaching behind my legs to jack it. Like okay. I'm doing the whole thing. I'm doing a whole like that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. But I kind of like like, you know, and. <laughs> I'm not sure what Bernie Sanders does, but, like, I'm sure he's jacked it. And wouldn't it be weird if, like, you walk in on Bernie Sanders and he's jacking it? You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's just people. Like, can we stop yeah. mystifying people as these, like, things or these th- these things that w- are, like, foreign to us? You know? Like, that's why but- when people are, like, the fucking queen and they're like, oh, let's look at the queen. I'm like, who cares about this old-ass bitch? Like, who the fuck? It's just – she's just an old lady who got some riches and shit. She ain't like pow- like 
she ain't more insightful than any other motherfucker. But by, you know? but, mm-hmm. but by capitalism, right? Capitalism That's it. requires us to have this cult of personality everywhere yes. that we go, right? Yeah. To the point where you've got motherfuckers like Jay-Z and Beyonce naming their children things that are trademarkable, <laughs> right? Because they already know that this person's name and everything. And, you know, this that's the oldest trick in the book, you know? Yeah. Northwest and whoever else. All these kids that have been out here for the longest time, their names are trademarked and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. That's, that's the machine, right? Is, is Yeah. So it doesn't it's it's hard to do this thing at the same time while you're in the capitalist system. Yeah. Well, I I mean that's part of the, you know, I guess Sam Adler Bell when uh. he's saying, you know, uh one of the, you know, to have these unintuitive truths that you're trying to tell people to expect them to understand these unintuitive truths that have already sort of dismantled and exist outside of a uh, white supremacist system uh, mm-hmm. to expect people to have that within a white supremacist system is illogical. And I think that's part of the, the capitalist framework too, right? Like mm-hmm. I've, I've had a lot, I've had a lot of heroes through my day who, Ooh, baby, did you just, did you just drop? Ooh, what are you doing? What's going no, on over I, there, Joe? I just pulled, I just pulled the, um, the, uh, the chicken out the oven. And, okay, I was about yeah. to say, and damn. And that's the oil sliding across the Pyrex dish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I hope you made enough for all of us, motherfucker. We, we I hungry. Wish. Yeah, we can have a circle in my Yeah, bring that, chicken to, bring that chicken to the circle. Yes. <laughs> but, I'm uh, here for it. You know, I think I think that's right with like the um, I don't know the degree to which um, we look at people and and uh, the glorification of the individual within this capitalist system and the demagoguery of them and the cult of personality are all things that are much more marketable and they also take away the essence of the personality being marketed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like look at the MLK erasure, right? Yes. Uh, it's bad. Like you have all these Republicans now who will say, well, MLK just didn't care about the color of your skin and also would not have been for reparations and also uh, was not a socialist. It's like, bitch, did you even did you even read the books? It's 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 that thing, you know, like, oh, they read the books. It's about mm -hmm. what the book said. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Shit. How did I how did I get to a certain age without knowing? Just how, like, you know, about, like, the poor people's campaign. Like, my mother, who is real pro-black, and I mean militant back in Mm. the day, what, you know, was a Black Panther. So, Well, named you Ja, so that's that's There you go. You You already know, right? (laughs) You know, how is she going to be like, oh, yeah, I didn't know. I I never told you. And and trust me, I mean, we'd get our homework done. She'd be like... You about to do this? You 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 about to write me an essay, right? You know about a historical black figure, and I want it done by the end of the week. Damn, and, you know, yeah, my mom was off the hook. It was great. Yeah. It was good, and you know, if we got in trouble, we had to sit down and watch Eyes on the Prize. You know, which was really scary when we were young. Um, I don't know if did you ever watch that show? I didn't. No, my daddy African, so he he don't know all that uh, shit. <laughs> no, yeah, Eyes on the Prize yeah. is no joke. It I was, had to watch Roots. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 for sure. That's a classic. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get into one more thing, and I know there's some people waiting, and I've been Yeah, jogging. go for it. No, go ahead. This is circle. <laughs> you got the talking stick. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I was just going to talk about people's egos and um, just yeah. us being able to be more nimble in dealing with other people's psychology, um, mm. psychological complexes. Um, it, we got to learn to work around them. And, like, here's a really good um, sort of example of that okay how much of the failure of force the vote is actually jimmy Dore's responsibility so yeah you know mm. sam cedar was dead wrong absolutely for his reasonings not to support force the vote we mm. know that that was a shit show but then jimmy be getting on my goddamn nerves sometimes because be they're acting a fool yes because yeah. he can't just disagree with somebody and be respectful Man. It's always you, got to be. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. I'm just speculating. Yeah, yeah, like just recently, I think it was today. He was talking about Crystal Ball again. I'm Bill Maher, and he was pointing out some of the contradictions. Did you see this one? I I didn't. I did not see this. I Jimmy, it just Jimmy, happened Jimmy. to pop up in my feed. Yeah. randomly, and he was just talking to you know about her. You know, he, he has to say things like she talks out of both sides of her mouth. Um. As if she's like doing it on purpose because there's not like nervous and shit. Yeah. 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 Or like isn't evolving or isn't going through a phase where she's looking at things a little bit differently. And it's not like Jimmy, when you can call crystal ball on your show and be like, yo, Chris, like you be saying this and then you be saying that, like, what's up with that? This doesn't make any sense. Like, how do you really feel about this? Can you clarify this for the audience? Because you're a hell of an asset to right. the movement and right. like why would we call you in but i'd be getting so sick and tired of like uh yeah so how much is how much is the onus on jimmy in that in that sense uh, and and here's the thing with with jimmy too i i have a feeling if you were to call him out on how much is he onus on you i don't think he would take any accountability for it Hmm. I, 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 I don't know him. I can't just speculate on, but that's, you know, that's the vibe I get. I get the vibe of like, I'm going to defend my own shit first, but what about that person and this person and that person? But again, you know what? Jimmy Dore, like in some ways, kind of, I don't know if I should say this or not, but fuck it. It's just, we're, we're just going to keep it buck. Like, let's, whatever. <laughs> like, it reminds me of my friend that I was talking about. Oh, earlier. shit. Like mm. some of the ways that like sometimes he just like look like and I'm not trying to say he's got anything or anything like that, but like I don't want to discount all the good shit that he says and a lot of the good things that he does, but sometimes it's oh, like Oh Jimmy be right about some, it, that's what I'm saying. A lot about time. a lot. He was yes. wrong. Uh, some of the vaccine shit was like, I don't know where the fuck you're going with this, oh, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah. I, I like you know, that skepticism has served him well in a lot of other areas, for sure. Jimmy has a right. very sharp eye. That's yes. what I will say about him. Yes, it. yes, Fine. he does. He 100% does. And I will not I will not deny him that. But, you know, it's some, some of that interpersonal shit sometimes where it's just like, like how... Uh, I don't want to discount everything that he does because of those moments. But, like, sometimes, my dude, you're being... Your corrosiveness is not serving the movement. It's mm-hmm. it's actively hurting it, and it's actively stopping us from getting on with shit. If Jimmy, like, if, if Jimmy was a like a real motherfucker, right? If he was like a real <laughs> slime motherfucker, 
he dropped that he dropped that you know force to vote shit and then mm-hmm. he creep into the motherfucking shadows he creep he let other people take that shit mm-hmm. and market it and push it and he'd know he'd say look i understand who i am like look i am who i am mm-hmm. i'm not gonna change it but this is a good ass fucking idea and look I know how people see me. I know that I can be corrosive. I know, and I also know that I'm gonna tell a motherfucker how I feel. You know, like I'm not gonna hide my shit. So I need to step the fuck back, go read a little book, go like mm-hmm. do some of that cooking that I'll be posting pictures on of like my food on Twitter and shit. <laughs> let, let me just go live my motherfucking life for a little bit, and then we'll see what happens. And I do think, I mean, you bring up a really good point with that too, Ja, and. That's another part of this, you know, and I, I, I don't know, like me, I, I would, my, my whole goal to have self-awareness, dude, is like have enough self-awareness to know when I need to shut the fuck up mm-hmm. and step back. Like my goal in my relationships, my goal in certain things, sometimes I need to walk away, just evaluate the situation, let it sit, let it lie. Just mm-hmm. let that shit percolate. You don't always got to go up to 10, you know? Yep, and if you're going to go up to 10, be, let it be on somebody who's your sounding board. Yeah. You know, if you got yeah. a bit about Talia Lavin, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can on you with all them, you know, all her trauma was spewing oh, out into the, right. you know, the atmosphere. Right. That right. poor girl, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. that was not a neutral event. That was That was difficult for both of them. And mm-hmm. yeah, you go you go say that to your sounding board, but I ain't got to smear you. I ain't got to do it. Right. Like I could just see this is like the nature of a left attack on someone like Jimmy. Uh Jimmy's just really you know more concerned about his own fame and this and that than he is for the movement. And I like we don't know that's true, right? Yeah. But that would be the first thing that someone would say simply because of the point that you made about force the vote and how Jimmy could have Threw it out there and got the hell out of the way, and it may have been successful. Right. Right. So, but at the same time, I mean, the motherfucker came up with the idea. It's, it's tough. It's, it's, but that's the, that's the balancing point. That's, that's kind of the tension point, right? Is how much, hmm. like, like, this is what we need to figure out, I feel like, between us as, like, leftists. Like, someone likes, like, part of this is on us. To look at a Jimmy Dore idea and see it and be like, fuck it, we don't care who came up with it, we're going with it, it's a good idea, let's move. This is an organizational thing. And then some of it is on us to not always bring our own shit into the, like, to fuck up shit, you know? Like, to sometimes, like, it, and there are so many nuances to all of these things. And there are so many, especially when we get into organizations and organizational movement and coordinated action, or something like this call-in, where you have people who have more power than others to choose the next speaker, to prioritize the next idea, or to coordinate things. Like, at what point does Ja say, or, you know, does anyone say, like, look, he take the next call, or we're, we're, we've coordinated in our action enough, and we got to trust for this to just, we get behind this. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's fucking hard. Like it's it's a really difficult question, and these circumstances, uh, you know, the variables change with each different circumstance. But yeah. uh, you know, I think 
at least understanding and addressing that nuance in these situations. Like, I wouldn't be so like, like as long as you can look at that nuance in the situation what's happening and then move yourself to, to course correct later in later action. I'm cool with that. I think mm-hmm. that should be the, that should be the, the goal. And that's something that I'd really like to know about Jimmy Dore here is how I, I think it would be great. I don't know, like maybe in some, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to meet Jimmy Dore, but like, you know, if you ever say never, yeah, I know. Right? Right, right. <laughs> Could be at my house right now. Like, Hey motherfucker, I heard you're talking shit. Heard you're talking that shit, bitch. I'm right. calling. Yeah. You know, um, but like, I, I wonder if he learned from that event too. To like, you know, I wonder if he did. I'm not, I I don't think, I I have to believe in people's capacity to change, you know? Oh, yeah. It's important for me. Like, if I didn't believe in my own capacity to change, then I would just be. Might as well forget it. Yeah, yeah. I would be just a completely loveless motherfucker who, uh, you know, everything was just like, I just was never going to be able to work out shit in my personal life or otherwise. Like, but like. I believe in it. And maybe I believe in it because I need to believe in it for me. But if I'm going to believe in it for me, I believe in it for other people. And I would like to see, I would like to see the next time some shit like this comes up. Here's how I'll know if, if the left, if like the left or whatever, if we're, if we're collectively sort of learning. So if another situation like this comes up and it just goes down different, mm. you know? That'd be a little cool because then we'd have some kind of like amorphous collective unconsciousness shit going on where we all just kind of like, okay, we, we, we didn't actually really all talk about it with each other, but we all just kind of know like how the other one fucked up and we're all just kind of like doing what we need to do like on the low, right? Like, Well, I, where is the culmination of all the lessons that we've learned in the last year, in the last, you know, quarter? Right. Right. Like, where is that? Because we have all these media figures. We've got all this information going around, all these wonderful articles, all this stuff. Where is the culmination right. where, of, of the things that we can agree on that we're like, yo, that shit didn't work? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Where and, is that? We, we need something like it. I mean, look, maybe you could say, you know, you could argue in some ways that maybe Ryan Grimm the article to some extent is trying to do that. But again, there's always hmm. this, there's always this disconnect between like the macro, whenever you start looking at things in groups or phenomena as collectives, Rika was t- alluding to it earlier, but you lose the nuance of the, the individual circumstances. And that is something that maybe when Ryan Grimm is writing these next articles or when we are writing these next articles or when we're examining this situation, we, we also try to pay at least enough attention to the fact that, you know, union organization within this organization or that organization may maybe shouldn't be looped in with all the other sort of interpersonal shit that's going on there, too. Maybe we shouldn't paint everything with a broad brush because uh-huh. is that necessary in some uh, some form or another to like contextualize and sort of like interpret these things and understand them and understand how like like they're how big of a problem they might be yes but i mean not all of those things that you have in that basket are lemons you know some of the (laughs) motherfuckers is limes and if you're not paying attention that lemonade gonna be a little limey you know what i mean (laughs) 
and you're never going to get the kind of lemonade that you need. That's what it's going to be. So, like, you got to be, you really got to be careful with this shit. But yeah, yeah. Anything else to say, John? Any any parting words or something like? That? Uh, this was great. This was this was very fun. Thank you. Um, I'll be back. Oh hell yeah! Um, Rika yeah, actually invited me to this show, so that's how I found out. So shout oh, out to Rika again. let's go, Rika. Okay. Um, look at you advertising for uh, look at that. that's so cool thank you Riga. yeah i love love talking with you man it's cool and uh, I, I, uh you give me a lot to think about for sure yeah for sure. well i'll Just, see you next time bye thank okay you. yeah thanks for calling ja all right up next we got amanda amanda what's going on how you doing Hey, how you doing, Bide? I appreciate you putting together. I was really excited to see the reading list in your description when you posted it today. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you putting it up there because I went and read that tome of an article by Ryan. Oh my God, it's a it's a it's a a Bible, right? (laughs) It's a long. I just want to pull back to like a thirty thousand foot view and say this: What's the point of doing that article? Who does that serve? It serves no one. It's gossip. Let me let me say why I say this. Okay, yeah. When you're in an organization and there's an investigation because somebody has accused somebody of something improper per HR, there's an investigation and it's all supposed to be confidential and all your interviews are confidential. So any information any reporter gets about any situation like that is all going to be hearsay and murmurs and rumors, even if it's from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Hmm. So that's so that's one thing I would just want to put out there. Okay. Two, I think it's really good we have the discussions because these things happen in workplaces, in organizations. They happen all the time. Right. Right. And you know they say they say you got to pick your friends but not your family. Well, that's true of your causes also. We would want to be friends with everybody in the cause with us, but that just isn't reality. Yeah, that's very and true. And I appreciated that point for sure. That w- I can't remember where it was made. That too bad if you don't like everybody. You, coalitions require people with different interests. They do. Yeah. To, and, and- to, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. And that point, that point was made. um, It was made in the article, but I believe it was made better by uh, the Fast and the Furious movies and Vin Diesel. (laughs) Uh, You got a little family. (laughs) You don't get to pick your family. Yeah, but that's you know. uh, But but then now we're gonna blame dysfunctional progressive non-profit organizations for the fact that the Democrats aren't getting anything accomplished? Well, that's, that's the some, thing. Excuse I, I, me, I, BS. I, I think that's... that's so I, I'm, I'll play devil's advocate for a little bit Please. here. Because I, I agree to an extent about like, okay, who does this article serve? And also the Democratic establishments being the ones who actually aren't doing shit. Right. So we can talk about these organizations and the dysfunction with them as much as possible. But like, who are the people who actually have the reins of power who aren't doing anything? It's Mm -hmm. Democrats. I think what Ryan would say here is that the external pressure necessary to force these do nothing Democrats to do something was traditionally or has traditionally been applied and uh, at least strategized from these outside organizations from these not-for-profits that are really good on these issues. So Mm -hmm. a coordinated campaign 
to force them to codify Roe v. Wade or something like that. And Mm -hmm. if these organizations themselves are unable to function because of internal issues. Well, let's, then let's take that one example that pressure is for lost. an example. Let me, let's just take that okay, one cool. example for an example. We've known for oh, how long that the this. Republicans yep. are, are doing Roe yep. v. Wade. So which organization yep. right now is supposed to have been in charge of when this shit comes up, we're, we are on this. We're ready to go. Yeah, tell them. What organization? Tell them, Amanda. I don't know. Tell uh, uh, well, I mean, multiple ones would have been the ones, right? Like but, Planned but Parenthood uh, and, and the Guttenmacher. <laughs> right. Well, uh, even if there should be okay. like Guttenmacher. Yeah. So that's the one that he okay. brings up in the in the article. Um, but here's the thing. I think the, the, the thing that your comment really brings up here, though, is that um, say that Guttenmacher should have been applying more pressure to uh, Biden or whatever to prevent this overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, where the fuck were the Democrats when Obama was in office? Like, where the fuck were the people? Like, right. there's nothing to excuse the this fact that just, when the people are yeah. in the power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not just um, on them, on these Guttenmachers, on these organizations that are outside. And I think that's that's a very good point. Um I think it's this, a, this, yeah. this article, because it goes, I mean, what he could have been spending his time on something else, in my opinion. He can be a really good investigative journalist with all yeah, the investigating good. and talking to anonymous sources he did for this long, long article that he's now promoting in, on podcasts, including one of Intercept's own. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, which I listen so, to. <laughs> and uh, uh, so and so did I. I mean, yeah. but but partially because like, what is going on that this is now a focus? This is just the same thing of an ad hominem. Who's who are we going to beat up on now instead of actually talking about the issues and like yeah. who's supposed to be picking this up right now? And if nobody's okay, so if this Amanda, this, but it's other it's so hot. Up, it's so like hot and it's fun and it's gossipy. I like it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I like it. Yeah, it's I'm so not bad. Gonna argue there. Yeah, no, I like talking I'm shit about people. <laughs> I'm not going to argue there. It just yeah. got me really frustrated because this is like he's he's doing the thing that he's accusing the the progressives of doing, oh, which is fuck. he's airing all the the dirty laundry, all the rumors about so and so did what to whom and. Which organizations are having little... I used to be on a board that had a staff that was very unhappy with the general manager. And getting rid of that general manager was almost impossible. Organizations go through shit. I bet you if he looked at any of the organizations, whether they're private, public, nonprofit, on the right, they probably have different problems. But also lots of problems. One of the things said between management and staff, there's tension. Really? (laughs) Where is there never? Yeah, do a bear shit in the woods? (laughs) I'm just, there's just a lot in there. It it was a very, I wish he had spent his time and his brain power on something that with at at that level of detail. Although this is yeah. entertaining, I'm not gonna. I don't want to take all it the is. fun out no, of it. No, you're because no, we it's, need it, that. You, we need yeah, that for yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, but like there can be fun found in other things other than like 
the hot goss of interorganizational right. conflict, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, like, it's, I mean, it's, that's so nerdy. That is so nerdy. God, I now, I, I, now I feel like this, God, now you're making me think this whole episode is just the mean girls version of non-for-profits or whatever. Well, like, well, just so, talking shit. So, the other thing that I wanted to say is right near the beginning of, yeah. of this whole call, uh, there was conversation about we need to be getting in there and doing things, and that's great, but we have all this infighting. One of the things that's missing that could prevent a lot of this infighting or at least distract is there was a clear vision of what we're all working for. Yeah. Take, for example, the... the um, you were just talking about them defending the Nazis, right? Yeah. The ACLU. ACLU. Take them for example. They're like, First Amendment, right or wrong, Nazis are not Nazis. This is our thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the other organizations that want to line up behind us as we do this, great. We, know, we want your help. Yeah. But, we, but having that one purpose, and, and because we have such a big tent and we yeah. have this, in, you know, this inclination to try and include in everybody because we want community, we want solidarity, we want unity. Yeah. We want to be together. And, and, you know, I think, I guess one of the reasons why with the ACLU, mm-hmm. I, I tend to be on the side of, look, they should probably defend anyone for free speech because it's that clarity of vision and purpose, which Mm -hmm. makes it easier to actually form coalitions and to know when certain coalitions don't work in certain situations. You know, sometimes I'm going to ride with the ACLU because I know what their vision is. I know that they're going to be protecting First Amendment rights. And right now for my organization or for this part of the movement that I'm a part of, whatever, that's crucial. So we need that. But then other times it's like, okay, well, I have a coalition with someone else. It's like, that's, that's fine. And I, I think, I do think, you know, that's, that's a good example of that. Like, um, and it's going to piss people off at times. So, and but the one last little thing I just want to say, my little mushroom brain was thinking. Oh, hell yeah. Is that we have so little practice in this country cooperating and doing things together. That, Like, if I think about the times when I've had to do a project with other people, I mean, I'm not off analyzing. I'm not doing the metacognition about how to make this project work together with these four people or whatever. I'm just mm, doing it and trying yeah. to succeed. Yeah. I think that, that, that on the left and in academia, we can end up in a situation where we're all doing the meta-analysis of what's happening. Like, why is this group not working? Ooh, fuck. But we're not actually working. Drop that shit, Amanda. Go ahead. Go ahead. Drop that shit. I just Man. dropped the mic. That's okay. All That's, <laughs> no, that is, ooh, fuck. That's very true. If we have a vision we can agree on that's clear, and I don't mean like Medicare for all. I mean like when I get sick, I can go to the doctor. That's yes. what I, that's what we're working for. Yes. When that's... I get sick, I want to be able to go to the doctor, and I don't want to have to go worry about getting bankrupt. I don't have to worry about want to have to worry about losing my job because then I don't have health care. Right. I want every person to be able to go to the doctor. And if it means that my taxes go up, that's too bad. But you know what? My, my, my insurance costs will go down. (laughs) We're, we're going to put you in office, Amanda. You don't have a choice. (laughs) You've been chosen. (laughs) 
uh, well, okay, okay. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say no at this moment. But I'm telling you right now, it's not gonna be as a Demo or a Republican because oh hell yeah, oh yeah, what there, there does need to be. But that's that's another coalition building thing. Listen, part of the reason why yeah. I, I'll fuck with Yang on the for, some of the forward, forward party yeah. initiatives is because that's good. Opening up yeah. a pathway for third parties to be viable is good. And even if the people doing it, like, even if one of the people involved is, like, Dan Crenshaw with his, right. you know, fucking shit, like, I don't like him. I think he's a, you know, an ass. I, I, I think he's just got shit-ass politics, right? But, like, right. if he's honestly for it, then, okay, I'll ride with it. I'll ride with right. it. Like, right. because that's that's part of coalition building is, uh, you know, and having those different coalitions to accomplish those different things. But... You know, well, I've got all tell kinds you. of you theories know about, about that. how to how to how to get a third party actually in, but that's going to be another show because this has been a long one already, and I see Shelley. <laughs> Shelley's still here. Yeah, so, we got Shelley in North, I, but uh, I, I appreciate your time and in your intelligence and your and your preparation for today's show. Oh, girl, I appreciate you. You you you're the one blowing my mind right now. This is like I said, this is fun for me. Good. I hear from all y'all, but <laughs> you have a good night. <laughs> yeah, you do the same, Amanda. Thanks for calling in. All right, and next uh, we got someone who you know no and love. Introductions. No, introductions. no, I love doing it every time. Okay, it's the I best. It. All right, you know her, you love her. She's going to uh, make us all uh, appreciate China for what it is. Give it up for Shelly. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm just giving you shit. I'm sorry. I gotta stop. Right. What's going on, Shelly? How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I'm okay. Exhausted. I was oh. on call this weekend. Oh wow! And we worked. Holy shit! Just from Friday, from five o'clock whenever I went on call Whew. to Monday morning at six thirty, we worked twenty-one hours. What, girl? Yes. Okay. Oh, God. And then I was trying to get out of work, actually on time today, and then we had some jerk, not jerk, the patient's not a jerk, but it's just like the doctor kind of fucked some shit up, and we had to fix it. And this is kind of going to where Amanda was talking about, about, and I just want to talk about, like, you kind of got to be where you're needed. Hmm. Say more on that. Say more on that. Yeah, you have to fill the holes that are missing. And so by the time that I was alerted that they were having sort of a a dangerous situation in one of our procedure rooms, they had it kind of under control. They had the patient under control. But one of my staff members was sitting there on the procedure table and we were trying to transfer them from the procedure table to the stretcher because they had to go to the OR for an operation. Rika, I see you. Yes, fill the holes. Um, anyway, so we had to do that. So it's like, while we're transferring, Sorry. no, no, like, the God, person, we're fucking 10 years old. Okay. <laughs> that was sitting there holding on the groin and making sure this patient didn't bleed to death. No one was taking care of him. Hmm. And I could tell that he was going to be unbalanced. And he, if whenever they did the transition, they were going to like, he might've fallen. And that would have meant that he's also down and the patient wouldn't have had the person that's making sure they didn't bleed to death. Yeah. So you had to fill that hole. So I had to fill that hole, Rika. Let's go. That's right. And, you know, so we did the tra- – and, and, like, I came in, and he saw me, 
and he was just like, we don't even need you right now. But he was he was doing it just because it's a joke because he's been in so many shitstorms that he was just like, you're here. That means, you know, we're in a shitstorm. Just go away. I don't want to deal with it. Right. Um, right. But whenever we did the transfer, he got a little bit toppled and he almost lost his position. And I literally just pushed him back up and kept him where he needed to be. Damn. And that's what we have to do whenever we're talking about organizations. Hmm. You just have to, we have to be smarter about the, the fights that we are willing to take on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I think some of that plays into that. Um, I think Julio was talking about it, mm-hmm. about like this, this giving of yourself aspect. Um, God, it's such a balance though, isn't it? Because of the organization, you, you have to have enough like I guess you have to be sober enough to understand when the organization is one that you should actually be fucking with in the first place, like Rika was saying. But you you also have to understand the times when, you know, someone is not being attended to or something, you know, like there is the hole to fill and you need to just be there to do it. Um, And that requires a little bit of selflessness when you're doing it. It requires just a, a... a commitment of the whole over the individual at a time. And, uh, I mean, well, I mean, Shelly, you, you, you wouldn't say this, but I've, I've seen, well, I'm creeping around on different Collins and stuff and yeah, just no, like listening. You're, you're basically I, CIA. You're yeah. I, I, <laughs> at this point I might be like, honestly, nah, fuck them. But the, when I've seen you take that role a lot, um, I've seen you do that a lot. Even when you do things like you'll notice in a call-in whenever someone has dropped out of the line or had a different place and you'll position yourself in line just so that they can talk. Like, that's pretty fucking rad, you know? I I think if people we, – we have to – I don't know. We have to find a way to get more people to adopt that without – Without allowing or w- without sacrificing the fact or sacrificing their ability to look at an organization or look when they're just being taken advantage of in ways that are not okay, you know? There's, there are some times that that does get taken advantage of, and I can't admit that. And there are times that, that, that that's very frustrating. Sure. But it's kind of like what you're talking about where you said you noticed. You noticed that that happened. And that's yeah. the whole point. The whole point is just trying to have like a principled stance where people know that you're there for them. And you know that the whole entire point is to advance the advance the progress of the cause, advance people. But the other part of that um, that whole thing is working in like a hospital or doing something like in that situation. Like there were a lot of things that were going on for that. The OR were being jerks because they were tired and they didn't want to do it, and so they gave right. them a lot of pushback. Which right. Made all this. And you know why they're tired? It's because they're overworked. Uh-huh. They're not actually being jerks to us because you know they yeah. don't want to deal with us. It's because yeah. they're overworked too. But you know we had to kind of be forceful and do a lot of type of nonsense. But we're working in a system that is one hundred percent against us, and so we have to separate what is the fault of the system. And what is the fault of the people? And there are some times that I think that Ryan Grimm gets, like, there are sometimes like, his kind of, his articles or, like, his position where he's, like, sort of exposing these types of things. Yeah. It kind of almost feels like a blame the voter type thing. 
Yeah. Like Ryan Graham's almost doing uh, like, did you see all these people in here that are voting third, but that are voting green party? Oh, mm. God, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of has a tendency to do that. But the other thing that I was going to say is that it's like, we can talk about like sort of the sensitivity issue and the need to be strong, which I agree with. I mm-hmm. agree. Iron, iron sharpens Sharp. iron and yeah. you know, fire tempers people. I, I 100% agree. But the other the other thing that we're dealing with as the left, what we're trying to do is what we're trying to do is we're advancing the cause of a group of people that are, are fundamentally broken. Yeah. And we, yeah. and so whenever people come in and they say, man, you guys aren't doing it right. And you guys aren't, you know, people are going to make mistakes because they're broken. You're talking about a group of people that have been punched in the face for centuries. Yeah. I mean, these people, we are dealing with kind of a dysfunctional group because they don't have an outlet and they don't have a way to advance their interests it, outside of the bourgeois system that oppresses them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I think a lot about probably too much about uh, rappers <laughs> who and I, I swear this is going somewhere, but rappers like like Meek Mill or rappers like Gucci Mane who go through some fucking shit coming up. They just, yeah. they're, they're in the worst fucking environments. They're Gucci Mane came out hard. I don't know how much y'all know about Gucci Mane. I'm, I know nothing. Uh, Gucci Mane. I think, I can't remember if he's at Atlanta or where he's at, but he came out hard as like, he was a, a trap house drug dealer. He, I'm I'm pretty sure he's killed people. I don't know that for a fact, but like seeing the way that like rap people in the know have interacted with him, he was a scary motherfucker, right? And I can't remember he went to prison for some kind of shit after his rap career or during his rap career for a bit. And when he came out of prison, he'd lost a bunch of weight and then he was talking about like therapy and self-care. And you can tell that these concepts were just things that were so fucking foreign to him. Like, he hadn't even heard of this shit before. This was just a man who was made hard by his environment. Who had to be, you know, he came out iron, but un, like unbendable. You know, more liable to break than bend. And that's, you know, that's George R.R. R. Martin. That ain't me. With that, that kind of fire-ass quote. So, you know, don't get it twisted. But that's, he... And look, did that now did that hardening of him contribute to his survival in a fucking jungle, basically? Yes. I have no doubt about that. But like what I worry about too is because I tend to be more on the side, I'm not like as hard as Gucci Man or anything like that. But I am I, I do not Oh, you haven't killed people? No. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, the answer is no. Yeah, I have not killed anybody. Just in case anyone heard that laugh and thought that like I had fucking murdered somebody. <laughs> like, right? No, I haven't killed anybody, at least to my knowledge. But uh, God, oh god, oh god, I hope it never happens. But like the fucking, <laughs> but the hardness part, like the aspect of like, I have a tendency to be like, yo, I need to get the fuck over, and we need to move. Like, we need to move now. We need to move. And part of that too is like someone like Gucci man had to for him to soften up a bit 
and recognize people's humanity a bit. He had to kind of recognize and accept again his own humanity to some extent, discover that again, rediscover that from trauma. And Meek Mill is very similar. Meek Mill, I I, I quoted him at the beginning of one of these episodes that I I did about trauma. Um, but one of his rap lines, you know, and this is after he did some jail time and everything too, but he's talking about, you know, saw my brother's blood on the pavement. How do you wake up in the morning feeling evil? Trauma. It's, it's, that's his, and he, his ability to articulate it again, because he's been in that struggle is, is so useful. Um, and you know, it's, it's, there's some point. I, I don't want to suggest from this episode or that, like, from anything, that the solution is everybody get over your shit and we need to all jump on the fucking wagon to drive it into Congress or whatever to pass health care or whatever. Like, you need to constantly be sacrificing yourself for the movement and taking all of these people who are fundamentally broken, like you said, or just broken people and beat down people and expecting them to continually, you know, like beating them into fighting more. Right. Cause it creates a harsh, it could create a harsh environment and harsh people who lack the, the humanity that we're actually fighting for or disregard that. Do that. I think Hmm. that people, and I do think that people need to get over their shit. And I'm not saying that in that way, but what I'm talking about is like, we have to develop a way for people to get over their shit inside what we are trying to do. Like they're one and the same. And the ways that we're doing it right now are not working. Yeah. And that's kind of more my point. And then, um, I had two more things. So I I think I'll do the more serious one and then I'll do kind of the fun one. Yeah. Keep going. I want to hear from Cynthia. Okay, yeah, hell yeah. I think that we don't understand or that sometimes what is missed about humor is the fact that it's very important to working class people. Oh, it's fucking crucial. It's incredibly important for people getting through their daily lives. Mm -hmm. It just is. And you know, if you're not if you're not working class, I think a lot of people that sort of evaluate these types of things, like whenever we're talking about the Dave Weigel and the yeah, whatever that lady's name is, uh, we put so much leashes on this. Sanmez, yeah, that's it. Whenever we spend so much time sitting there and being like, "Oh my god," and can you believe? I'm sorry, but there is like 10 percent of the female population that is definitely either bipolar or bisexual. It's not the majority, but come on. Like, I we, I do this stuff with my co-workers all the time. We rib each other all the time. It is a method of getting through the daily bullshit that we have to do. So I will have oh, to say. fuck. I mean, I will have to say, at some point, like I, like I have some of some of my guy friends at work that will eventually end up saying something that I'm like, "Ooh, shit, that was sexist." And yeah. you know what I do? I go, "Hey, no." And normally, what my working class buddies do is they go, "Oh shit, did I piss you off?" And they might not understand why, but they realize that I'm like, "Hey." We're friends, and you just made me feel bad. Right, right, exactly. Go, yeah. Oh, I don't get that, but 
I'll try to avoid that. And they're going to fuck it up again. Right, right. Because they don't really understand it. And I can also say, like, I'm in the deep fucking south. Do you know how, mm-hmm. like, whenever we talk about, like, the the extreme MAGA people, like, all mm-hmm. that stuff, and we, we just, like, we demonize them, and then there are so many people that are so willing to call them white nationalists or transphobic or anything. Yeah. Like I can tell you, working in the healthcare industry, some of the hardest MAGA heads that I work with, we bring a trans person in. You know what? They're in the hospital. They don't feel well. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're not really presenting in exactly the way that they that they probably would outside, and and maybe people aren't picking up on it. I've literally had some of those same people that people would call white nationalists, transphobic, whatever. They come in and they misidentify that per, that individual's gender. They say, "Oh, hi, sir," or "Hi, ma'am," and then you know, like someone's like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. don't, don't do that," and they'll literally they come back. And they'll tell us like, "Oh my God, they're they're upset." Yes, yes. Because they made that. Yes. Feel bad. It was not intentional. Yes, yes. And I hate how much. Look, I don't like to stomp for Southern Illinois all that much because there is some like banjo playing shit. And not, you know, I'm not anti banjo oh, yeah. people. Oh, okay, don't that. go on Twitter and be like, "All right, Bide's anti banjo." Uh, whatever. I played banjo kazooie growing up. It's fine, uh, but. I do hate how much that gets lost in a lot of discourse that ends up just being like, oh, they're all a bunch of uncaring, uh, you know, white nationalist fucking pigs. That, like, it's, first of all, that's dehumanizing, too, right? Like, you're not seeing, if you care about humanity, then you don't just paint people with those brushes and write them off. You just don't. And... Coming up from that environment, too, I have some people who, I have some fucking, y'all wouldn't believe it, but I have some country motherfuckers in my life, some real country boys, some, you know, country girl, shake it for me, girl, like some of these, like, I know the, I know the tunes, okay, like. All right, sing some of it then. Nah, girl, that's a whole nother day, you at least gotta get me drunk, there's no way, but let me just say this, if you put me in front of a bonfire, I know what the fuck to do. All right. Like, I know what to do in front of that bonfire. Okay. Like, it's, it's, and I don't mean like some of you hear that and you're immediately thinking, oh my God, is it like a KKK thing? No, it's just being country and drunk in front of a bonfire. But that's what you had to do. Like, go out in the field. Because in the South, where we've been poor. Yep. You light a fire. You light a fucking, yep. You get a fire and you talk. And then you just do stupid shit. That roast some weenies. Like, you do whatever. Right. Like, it's, it's it's different. So I I'm of the same. I uh, completely empathize with you on that, Shelley. Um, right. And and then I would have to say, like one of the other examples is we. Ha- I have tons of like black patients that come in there, and there's mm-hmm. this one guy. Oh my god, he's one of the he's one of those kind of the people that people would want to write off and call a white nationalist. And he comes in there, and he does just the dumbest. I I don't know really what to call it, but he tries to do black talk. Oh, fuck. He's not doing it to be terrible. He's doing it because he's like, I've heard black people talk this Oh, fuck. And it's cringe. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Fucking. Oh, my God. Girl, can I tell you, I went to, oh, my God. I'm I'm just going to say it. Fuck it. 
Okay. I, I so back when I was still engaged, when I still had a relationship, when that was still going on. Um, way back in in Wander Year. Yeah, thanks. It's it's great. I'm do I'm doing fine, everybody. I'm doing great. <laughs> um, but back when that was happening, right? Like we went out to go visit some of her friends that she grew up with in Florida, some family friends. They were church friends from Florida. And one of the guys, let's let's just call him Mr. Tim. Uh, Mr. Tim, big country boy, uh, one of those guys who has guns everywhere in the house. As soon as I got there, he's opening up his sink, underneath his sink, and he pulls out a fucking gun. He's like, you fuck around, I'll go ahead and, yeah, we got you on this. And it's like, what the fuck, right? But this guy is so much fucking fun. And so, I, I, just shooting the shit and talking with him and everything was great. But then he had to make this joke, too, where he's talking about, he's like, I forget what we were, we were even talking about, but we're talking about, like, some shit. And he's like, yeah, they trying to play on me, huh? They trying to play on me like I'm that type of nigga. And I'm like, sir, you are white. <laughs> like, you are, <laughs> sir, you are completely white. Like, <laughs> and you know... The girl I was with at the time, it was her family friend, and she was more upset than I was. Now, look, you, I had to check it. I had to say, nah, that's my line, my dude. Like, nah, like, nah, you don't have to do all that. But he felt bad about doing it after, and they didn't do it anymore, and then we still shot the shit. Like, some of it, that's, exactly. Some of these behaviors that people are identifying, like, whenever he does those fringe, like, Oh, I've got a black patient in here. And so right. I, the only connection that I have right. with blackness is how it is portrayed in popular yes. media. Therefore, I want to emulate that because won't yes. that make that black person feel better or more comfortable? Yes, yes. And the thing is, is like, I don't think that's racist. Yes. I, I think well, that it comes across... A, comes across across cringy and weird yes but he's still trying to make some type of effort and we that's the thing yes and that's what's alienating to them it's whenever it's right 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 dumb mistake and then you say you're a white nationalist oh this is good this is good shelly that's exactly right because here's here's the, the paradox of it the the reversion to that they're basically falling into a capitalist society's portrayal of that yeah. group, but the 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 attempt to connect is authentic yeah. that they're putting out there. It's an authentic attempt to co- connect. They want to go in there and make you feel at home, but the only way they know how to make you feel at home is if you talk like this, because this is what I've seen on TV or whatever the fuck, right? And right. it's it's like, and here's the thing: if that was someone's fucking like initial that's the way someone initially started interacting with me i'd be like what the fuck right like that shit would fuck me up a little bit like it's so i could see the distrust kind of happening in a situation like that but like i don't know like i'm kind of i feel kind of fortunate in being raised around some country motherfuckers because like i i don't know it's giving me like layers to understand people a little more you know and it's it's difficult because oh god like there is a huge and i think this goes back to that the language of wokeness piece to some extent right these people are existing within this capitalist white supremacist all this fucked up sort of structure 
that is feeding them narratives and feeding them a framework. And sometimes they're just regurgitating shit that they hear from that framework. But the heart is not like in a place of exclusion or, or, or hatred or anything like that. And that's, yeah, but we, we still, but we still have to admit we have some real ones. And that's my issue with the fact that we just continually call people out all the time on this because Mm -hmm. you're not identifying the actual threats because they exist and they're terrifying and they're dangerous and they actually really will cause harm. But the people that I work with that really choose the cringiest ways in order to try to connect with people... That mm-hmm. those are not necessarily the target, and yes, you right, can be, you can be, you can be racist and nice. Yes, you ain't you lying. Can. You lying. But you know, I would rather someone be racist and nice, and tr- and at least attempting to make some type of connection, or at least attempting to understand, rather than just being racist and violent. And 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 here's the thing too with that is that there's. It's there are different man. I don't want to go into the whole conversation of like there are different levels of racism because that's that's not like what I'm trying to say. But there's like humans are fucking nuanced, are really nuanced, and I can tell. I got like a I don't know like a fucking after I don't know 33 years old of blackness that will do enough to you, right? Especially when you're living in. Places that are countries. Did you say thirty-three years of blackness? Yeah, thirty-three years I of don't blackness. Don't take any black person seriously until they've hit thirty-four years. Oh black. man, I guess that's that's correct. All right, well, I'll come back when I've matured into my blackness one more year. And actually, since I guess I'm only half, I guess I I'm really more like I don't know sixteen years of blackness. So I have to get up to the the full level. The, the, look, the point is this, right? Like the 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 point is that like I do think there is the there is something there's value to understanding someone's intent there's value to uh or it it can almost be more detrimental and and not even like from a self affirming standpoint but just more detrimental if you are just assuming without knowing yes. that intent and the worst version of a person and that is I think that feeds into the sort of narratives that we get a lot in our political spaces and our political talks right now. And that, that worries me a bit because like one thing I started noticing um, when I started organizing too, and I talked to other people about white supremacy in particular, and I talked to other black people and uh, you know, just other people. And they, I'd realized that they're like, and other, I don't know. I didn't. I guess this is gonna sound really stupid. I didn't realize how fucking segregated people lived. Oh shit! <laughs> I know that sounds fucking stupid, but like I was always the only like we were always the only, like one of the only black families in a country ass fucking town. So it was like we all knew each other and shit, and like woo woo woo. But like we're we're around white people all the time, <laughs> right? But like there, the fact that like. Like, when I started dating, too, I noticed this, too. Like, I date African-American women who did not have white people in their networks. And then mm-hmm. I I realized that in a lot of the networks where I had all these white people, I started looking around, and I'm like, am I the only fucking black person here? Like, it, it's – I didn't realize how separately people were actually living here, right? 
And I do, I worry about that for a lot of reasons, but really because it, it makes it easier to caricature someone else and to see them as like, you know, that example of, of what's been fed into your mind by media, you know? And that's, I don't know. Like that's, I, I do, I don't, I have to find the line between like being in a situation with a Mr. Tim and, you know, knowing intent and kind of assuming good intentions first or good faith and also checking that shit too. Because if you don't check it, I can tell you some stories about that too. I can tell you some stories all about that. That's how you figure out if that person is genuine or not, if you check them and then their response. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how you figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that there are a lot more people that are on like the Mister Tim side than there are on the the white sheep. Yeah. At side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those people are people we really got to worry about. And, and those then, people, yeah, they have a lot of hatred though. Too. I mean, like there are a lot of other issues that lead someone most of the time I, yeah, down that I road. Can't, I can't fuck with those people in yeah. a lot of ways. Sometimes those people are way too far gone. Yeah. Um. But anyway. So, hot take for the night, and then let's move on. Pretty fucking hot. Yeah. Spicy. So, so I've been, I've I've mentioned this in the chat. Okay. So, we were kind of talking about Jimmy Dore and his anger. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I kind of said, okay, well, do you want me to connect a thread between Jimmy Dore, Tucker Carlson, and Vladimir Lenin? Oh, yes. This sounds like a a joke where a priest, a rabbi, and I don't know, I forget the other one, walk into a bar. Communist walk in a bar. (laughs) And yeah. they both shoot the communists. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Boom. Da 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 da. Okay. Right. Good. Yeah. So I don't, and, and I know that a lot of people are like, I don't want to read theory or or whatever. Yes. But ha- like seventy five percent of Lenin's writings are responding to other leftists. Yeah, they and really in are. His writings. If you if you can if you can read from the time the insults that he was dropping these mm. are sickest fucking burns for the times that yeah. you've ever seen and he was angry yeah. and guess what he won and so there is a certain amount of as much as we can say you know Jimmy Dore is kind of an asshole sometimes yeah his audience is bigger than everyone else's why. The working class is angry. Yeah. They're angry. Yeah. Everyone that hasn't had a say-so in government and a say-so in how the society is run is furious. Yeah. And that fury speaks to people. And Tucker Carlson does it in a different way where he's not necessarily screaming. But he does it in another tactic that Lenin is the sardonicness and the sarcasticness. And if people on the left keep trying to do this fucking polite bullshit all the time, where where you know you go like even Bernie, whenever he's like, oh no, yeah. we agreed Bur- yeah. with primary, we weren't going to attack each other. Well, you lost. You yeah, lost Bur- Bernie fucked that one up. I won't lie, I, and I have a lot of love for him, but the you you have to realize when the institution like he. At a certain point, you you have to directly challenge the power. Yes. You have to directly challenge it, and and in how they undercut him, and then you know Joe Biden's just not your friend, even if he's a good guy. Like I think Joe Biden is a 
pretty cool, or not like cool dude, but like a great, I don't know, I don't want to say great, fuck. Like he's, I don't know, he's, he's a pleasant guy. If he's just like, if he was just someone's grandpa and just like hanging out and wasn't running the country or in politics at all, he'd be a really sweet man. You know, you'd think he's a really sweet guy, but that's not like, that doesn't fucking matter when your policies are making life more difficult for not just here, everybody. Yeah. World fucking wide. Yes. Yes. Can we please just admit that Joe Biden, as much as he might feel like a good man here, he is a terrorist to the world. Yeah. It is well, not the same thing. We can sit there and say, we can say that like, yeah, I could fuck with some, with Joe Biden over an ice cream cone. <laughs> the rest of the world can't. <laughs> It would be an ice cream cone, too, 100%. It absolutely yeah. would, because that, that's the cute version of Joe Biden that yeah. we all look at, and it, and it makes him look like our grandpa. And Yeah, well, I, I keep talking about cult of personality and how I, I there's a reason I don't like celebrity worship and just knocking everyone down to humanity. Like, look, I think the perfect campaign would be like a bunch of, like, 10 candidates who are all completely about the same thing who as scandals or whatever come up, they just rotate in and out. They're just oh in and out. They're like, this is the purpose. Like the, the goal is the policy. We don't like, I don't fucking care who you are really. Like personally, I know some people have different things about that. That's totally cool. This is America. You can do what you want to do kind of, but like, yeah, I, 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 I want to get the shit done. You know, I, I, I want to see us in power. And I just happened to glance down at the chat and jaw was like, Ew, and it's butter pecan ice cream, too. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking would be butter pecan with, like, fucking raisins in it or some shit. Oh, oh my God. It's butter and pecan. Then, God. And then forced to talk about whatever the fuck he's rambling on Oh, about. my God. Just whatever bullshit about, like, I don't know. I just always imagine him saying, like, sport and scamp. And back in my day with Big Tobin and, I don't know, whatever. And you know he's going to slip up and say colored. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Because, yeah. like, my grandpa did that all the time. And it was yep. Just, like, it was just slapping your head. Like, yeah. Hand your head and you're like, oh, my God. Give it up. But anyway, can would you yeah. would you be willing to sort of um, at least give me your opinion on that sort of analysis where it's like there is a reason why – anger is a fuel and why there is a hunger for people to be somewhat nasty because we've been having all this shit happen to us for so long and everyone being so terrible and horrible to us and so then people go oh my god have you seen that person they were way too mean about something yeah that shouldn't happen i i i 100 agree that anger is a lot of the times a justified and also a a rallying force and it speaks to part of the rage of the oppressed and uh, i i get all of that um i agree with it and i even think a lot of the anger most of the anger is justified uh the one thing about anger that you always got to be careful about is it is especially righteous anger has a way of taking you temporarily out of your mind and out of your faculties and becoming all encompassing. Like if you've ever been in like, like I didn't really realize this. I'm not like a big fighter or anything like that, but like I've gotten into a a couple of fights 
Uh, All right, CIA. In in my time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one was in, uh, I don't know, like Bermuda back in 1962. Uh, I was installing a new government or whatever the fuck. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, no, I've been like, and you know what? I noticed a big difference in sort of the fights that I would get into when I was like a younger person versus when I started boxing and, and doing some like martial arts and stuff. Right. I call boxing martial art, whatever. I told you I'm trying to be the left's Joe Rogan. I'm not hiding it. Okay. So I'll talk about elk meat later. It's, it's all besides the point. Right. But here's the thing, like in some of those initial fights, street fights and stuff, you get so fucking mad. That's just like blinding and you're just wailing and you're, misdirected and if there's a circle around you you can start hitting people in the circle accidentally because you have no control and you're just fucking going service of it's 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 that and also is the anger controlling you or are you harnessing it but i think the bigger i think the bigger question is is we can argue over whether or not that anger is effective but i think oh it's effective to tear someone down over the anger is the wrong direction and it would yeah. be better to instead of critiquing people for their anger critiquing people on hey can you use your anger in this way because your anger is yes powerful. and that's I what think- i hope that's what my critique of jimmy Dore has has sounded like to people tonight i, I i'm not saying the motherfucker shouldn't be mad but no. i'm saying that sometimes that is clouding everything else uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, you you have to be able to harness, you know, when you start when you when you're boxing or something, they say, okay, when you punch someone, when you're going for a knockout or something, you have to punch with bad intentions, right? That's punch it with some pain, punch it with some anger. Mm-hmm. You want to do damage. Like that's the point, right? But you have to know when it's time to hit like that. You have to you have to see it, see the opportunity, and then Take all that shit you've been feeling and blast it. Blast it in that punch because that's how you get the knockout. That's how you get to the place you need to get to. And if you're just wilding out all over the place, you're just going to be fucking tired. And the other person is going to pick you apart. They're going to pick you apart. My favorite thing is if I get in the ring with someone and they rush me as hard as they can, I know if I, I'm just keeping my hands up. I'm just keeping my hands up and doing defense. I know within guard. the first minute, I know within the first minute they're fucked because guard, they're not going to be able to keep it up. Out. That's right. That's right. They're, you rope a dope. You do what Ali did to Frazier back in the Rumble in the Jungle. You wait. You wait. And when they're tired and they're breathing and you're hitting them and they, can't, they literally can't defend your, themselves anymore because they're so tired. And then there's that look that like, ah, oh, fuck, I fucked up. You know, I feel like we have to be conscious of that too. And Jimmy Dore sometimes also has to be conscious of that. Okay, like, bye, bye, bye. That's Rika it. just said, sometimes I just want to take off my hoops and snatch a bitch, but I got to remember, <laughs> Kroger self checkout aisle. It's comfort perspective. <laughs> oh yeah, take those fucking hoops off, Rika. Snatch that bitch. Oh, God, that's fucking great. Okay, so I'm going to get off. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I'll go to some other callers. Now you've gotten that, but I just, I do just want to say, guys, tune in next week for Bide's podcast where somehow I connect elk meat and Mao Zedong. It's going to happen. 
I, I have I have full faith in you, Shelly. Oh my God, <laughs> Shelly, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for calling in. Whew, all right, up next we got Cynthia. Cynthia, what's going on? Welcome to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. How you doing? I'm fucking dying, y'all. <laughs> I can't. Like, there's like left and right. People are just like when Shelly was like, you know, he's gonna say colors. You know what? <laughs> the coloreds uh, yep. like you know it's gonna happen yo how about job with that butter pecan ice cream too <laughs> fuck y'all i, I don't mean, know yeah. chat is funny dog chat <laughs> it's is real really funny. funny chat is i <laughs> i just i just thought of when you're talking about like slamming you know i just remembered how that one time in the Democratic primary where when Elizabeth Warren fucking came for Bloomberg mm. and was mm. like, you have a billionaire calling women horse face yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she went off on that shit. See, that was pretty sick. She went off. Because that was, that was like tight. someone, you know, being really forthright and really calling it out. And I, I mean, everything that you guys, everything that you said about anger and harnessing it um because i do think that there's a legitimate critique and like a kind of phony politeness like there's a difference between kindness like je- like compassion i guess I yes would say, yeah and like phony niceness and yeah. like politeness like decorum like I say, yeah. fuck decorum, civility, but... civility, shit like yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah. The, like the, w- fuck that. Yes, that shit people hide behind to stop you from actually hitting with that anger when it's appropriate, right? Right. Like that's yes, I'm 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 100 with you on that. Right, but it just it can so easily slide into you know ad hom attacks yeah. and d- debasing people's care. Like I don't I don't like that. I don't condone that. But like. I think there's a way, I mean, it's very, it's a practice. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that people are dogs, but I'm a big Caesar Milan fan. And he always <laughs> says like, I'm sorry, but it's so accurate. Okay, yeah, go ahead. It's go like, ahead. Calm, calm and assertive. Like yeah. you, it's like you're harnessing the power because, you know, you see people with dogs and they're like, hey, buddy, stop it. Stop right. it. Stop. And it's like, no. And the dog would be like, yeah, yeah, because it's energy, because everything is, everything is energy, guys. Yeah. Um, No, but I was calling because, well, number one, I was wondering what you're, if you're, if you know what's going on with the DOS Capital class, (laughs) if we're continuing and when we're continuing. Oh yeah. Okay. I knew you from somewhere. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, Cynthia and I are in a theory class with Ben Burgess together. We're in a Das Bimbo class. Yeah, Das Bimbo. That's the whole I'm thing. I'm so behind. I'm really behind. Yeah, me too. But like, sometimes <laughs> I just turn into the to hear them talk. Yes. And a couple of the people will be like super into the theory, and I'll be like, get to the good shit. Like, I want to yeah. hear. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? Even from doing that, I have been. This is like my third class I've taken with Ben Burgess, and I've gotten through like half, maybe, even if that, that's being generous with the Ugh. text. But like. It's a hard text. It's really. Uh, look, like, but there are some parts of it that are sassy as fuck. Like, every once yeah. in a while. Not capital. Like, capital is a brick. And there's, uh, like, it's very hard 
to interpret a lot of, especially those first three chapters. It's like, what yes. the fuck the, is the going on? The, the linen and the and gold the and the linen. iron and two parts <laughs> iron. I'm like, what the fuck are you? T- is he rapping? Is he rapping right now? Like, what the fuck are you doing? I, like, I don't understand what this is. And so I'm trying to like put it together with his fucking ass. But like it, I will say just by, because I, I've always been intimidated by theory and yes. I, I was kind of like, I don't want to start getting into it. But it really, even like a very minimalistic understanding of it has really helped me understand yes. a lot, right? Like responding to thing, you know, just responding to like conscious capitalism generally. It's like, well, in, when people are like, well, can't we just tweak capitalism to be more humanitarian? And I say, well, not as long as the production of or or the the generation of capital is always going to be the purpose of capitalism right because it's not going to solve any of the production problems it's not going to solve any of the externalities right set up yes yeah and i'm one of those people that's like can't we just tweak because i like shiny nice things that's even an ignorant statement but I'm one of those people, so that's why it's so important for me. I'm not saying everyone has to read theory, but I am one yeah, of those I don't people think they who do. wants to because I'm like, I want to know why me thinking, can't we just do conscious cat like, is, I guess, a fallacy. <laughs> and also why you not having shiny nice things in a communist or a socialist system is also a fallacy. Like, we could right, also right, still do shit right. like that. You know, it's, it's, it, I, I think. still need to understand how that works. Yeah, it's basically. I'm behind yeah. everybody. I'm very behind. <laughs> no, it's 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 basically. I mean, like other people can explain it better, but the 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 whole idea of it is like uh, a system set up to meet needs of people rather Versus. than to produce and continue producing for the generation of capital. Because um, remember that part. So one one thing that kind of like stuck out to me because when he was talking about like oh, there's this whole perception about, like, oh, it's the greedy capitalist. And that's what I was thinking. But it was more so, like, it's not necessarily, like, one individual greedy guy. It's a matter... It's, like, the system is set up such that the incentive is to just produce, 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 like... Right, exactly. Does that exactly. make sense? I, that I, makes, I, no, it makes, it makes complete sense. No, I like... Uh, let's, let's embrace the bimbo theory, too. Okay, well, that's cool. That's well, rad to me. This is... Please send your thoughts and prayers because I have a project. I'm a writer and I want to do like a bimbo theory show. Okay. And I've hell been yeah. trying to come up with a fucking title and it is taking me weeks. And I, I originally had thought process like T H O T. And then yeah. I'm running this. Bible oh, that's good. Like, though. Think, does everyone, what does everyone think of that? Because I, I, I like that. I bring this around to people and they're like, I don't know. Thoughts like 2018 Tumblr. I'm like, yeah, but I, I'm like that too. But who cares? It's still cool. Like, fuck it. Okay, I'm sorry, but we can't always just like know the latest fucking TikTok dance. And the la- like with how <laughs> fucking quick culture changes every day. I'm sorry that I still say homie people. I'm sorry that that's, you know, hasn't been cool since 2019 or 2021 yeah. December 22nd or whatever the fuck things like actually change nowadays. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I like that. Fuck okay. it. Well, fuck I them like, kids. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, these are people. My, I'm 33 too. These are people. Yeah. These are people my age who are like, I don't okay. know. It's kind of like, you know how like Ratchet was a big yes. thing in like 2014. Yeah. But I feel like because the idea is like I'm trying to marry 
like I'm a bimbo theorist. Like I'm, I yeah. want to do, I want to do a show like why capitalism bad. Like, you know, I'm like, exactly. Break yeah. Shit down. Yeah. I don't even, you know, I only know the tip of the iceberg and I've kind of based my, you know, political idealism off of that. But like, yeah. I still, you know, when we did the show, when Brie had the show about, Remember? Yeah, bimbo theorist. <laughs> yeah, <Matt Stoller>, <laughs> oh football, yeah. And then that one guy who came in and we did like a call in and it was pretty spicy afternoon. Um, like I, I was just like, I don't know shit about I don't know any of the shit that's going on with China. I like and who, who among us? How many among us? I mean, I'm sure there's people in the chat like it seems yeah. like a lot of y'all did. Well Shelly Shelly knows quite Shelley, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly knows a lot about fucking everything and I don't understand I how Shelley, it's fucking possible. What is wrong with you? God, every every time I talk to Shelly, she's like, You gotta read Pavienti and I'm like, Who the fuck is Pavienti? And then I go and I look at a YouTube video, I'm like, Alright, this is pretty this is pretty killer. I like Shelly's in it to win it. You well, know? Like, I so. am that person who has Kropotkin and Foucault and all these fucking mm-hmm. books, but I am a slow reading bimbo, so it takes me a while. Me too. But, but basically, the I, if I, I appreciate you saying that thought process works for you because I, you know, the whole point was like I'm a thought, but like, oh I'm yeah, processing, and this is a marriage of the bimboism and the, the oh, it's the, great. The discourse. It is a double entendre. You know, right? But uh, I, sure. I, I'm getting mixed messages from my friends. Uh, so. Just fuck it. Just start it. Just do the damn thing. Like you know, like <laughs> people are always going to have opinions about stuff and whatever. I, I do think. Look, I, I've gotten a lot of value out of just starting this. I didn't have like a fucking plan for. Well, you're. A this is a great name, Fred Hampton, and that's like <laughs> yeah. a nickname. Like I want, like yeah, like a play on words like that. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. yeah. Thank, yeah, I, 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 you know, but I, I think. I guess if I had any advice on it, like I, I like thought process. I think that's really, I, I would definitely tune into something like that, but I'm, I mean, I learn all of my stuff from, or at least my journey has always started with YouTube theorists. Shout out to Natalie Wynn oh, um, for geez. fucking being the goat of the this shit. Goat. She's fucking, yeah, she's, she's serious. But Man, inspired, my God. I- Inspired by that too because I want to incorporate very like high femme shit. Like yeah. I like I want it to be like, you know, you don't have to wear an Orwellian jumpsuit to like, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right, right. You can be glamorous and like like opulence, you know, you can yeah, like some well, of that her, shit. Yeah. Her whole video on opulence is you know, great. Was great. It's great. And well, because I said the shiny things because she says yeah. that a lot. Like I like yeah. things. I like shiny things. But yeah. I want to bring I like this stuff. I well, I want to, that's an episode, right? Like, what yeah. is it, like, do we, does socialism mean no house? Like, does socialism mean no high yeah. Does yeah. stuff, like, what is, and I don't know the answer to that. So I need people to inform me. But my last question is, uh, yeah, with, go regard, for it. with regard to the, well. Oh, the class? I never answered. We're starting back up in July, oh, by the no. way. That's, that's oh, the yeah, idea. Right. Okay. Yeah. I better get on it. Oh, wait, July's like literally fucking next Next yeah, it's coming up. But who cares? Don't you don't have to read. Just we'll get, go from where we read. start. I want to read. You go back. You have all the lectures and stuff. jumpsuit. I you want have... to be this person. I'm not. Um, Just be you, homie. Fuck it. Well, like do you guys. Do you guys think that thought process is going to deter someone like a Christopher Hedges, who I would want to talk? Honestly, honestly, my uh, here's my thing is I'm the worst person to talk to about this kind of stuff because it's like 
I I believe in being as authentic to yourself as possible. And I know that even authenticity has all of these layers in it of like how real is authenticity? Is it even real? Because, you know, like everything to some extent is somewhat performative, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, you know, in the way that I'm talking right now or the way that I'm trying to present or something, I'm aware there's an audience and there's this and that and blah, 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 blah. You know, you can go down like a philosophical kind of rabbit hole if you keep like thinking about it all the time. But like, look, I, I, I think the thing that feels most like natural and fun to you when you're doing it and like, let it be what it is, you know? Now it's hard because part of it too is like, you know, especially when you start like, look, since I've started this show, I've wanted it to, I like seeing more people come in. I like attracting more guests. I like seeing it grow, but there's also part of it. That's, you know, like who the fuck cares? Like, yeah, it's, no, like yeah, who cares? Well, I'm it's, happy that I'm not like, I need to strategize for this many subscribers. Like, I'm like, I'm probably going to have a full time, have to still have a full time job for a long ass time. Yeah, I'm going to, that's my plan. I, I'm, I'm not planning on retiring off any of this shit, but like, I do like just, I'm yeah, liking the no, community, maybe. you know? I, I know. Uh, we'll see. Right? But, well, well, actually, the last thing I wanted to ask everyone is, been floating by does anyone know who like Courtney Banks is like the Banks sisters by any chance or no? I don't. Okay, they're also kind of in the leftist space, but um we've been talking about organizing because I what does everybody think about like a fucking you know Seneca Falls ass convention? <laughs> like can we have a convention? Can we have like a get to like like a mass get together of leftists to be like, what do we do? Like we have to come together and like battle plan. Like, yeah. doesn't it feel like everything is just so separated and so all yeah. these little zones, which is fine. It's like, not that it's fine, but like, because I can't distinguish between the people who are pro electoralism, people who are anti that, the people yeah. who are, you know, this isn't the way. And this is the people who are just like, Brianna's not left at. And, you know, it's like, I just thought, like, shouldn't there be some sort of like convention where we can't, like, the right does this all the time, like, turning point, blah, blah, blah. And, like, all these fuck, you know, they literally bring people together and have this sort of like uniting effort of, what's our battle plan and how can we move forward and how can we like maybe resolve some issues and come together to agree on things, you know, like, right. I'm not saying I know how that would work, but I'm just like throwing this idea out and wondering what people think about it. Uh, It's a good idea in some ways. I mean, like it's a, it's a good thought. I I think part of what we've been talking about tonight and earlier tonight too, is how do you resolve that? And also to what extent is that, possible right now um because look like we we were talking about earlier but we have to be right now a lot of where we can be most effective with our actual set goals uh Mm -hmm. first of all actually having a set sort of goal and intention in mind something that we can directly organize around is always important amanda brought it up as, as a really good point like like small things first like little like well that's for all rally happening what end of July in Washington. Like. Right. Right. Well well there's like, like there's like two aspects of organizing kind of, right? There's like what we're doing locally, which you can actually affect things in more of like a guerrilla style with your own communities that will mm-hmm. actually affect 
the conditions in your communities and they're more smaller scale. And then for these larger scale things, part of it's going to be coalition building. But our coalition building, at least this is my understanding from the conversations I've had tonight, and this is kind of where I'm at, the coalition building part of it, to me, is going to have to be very objective-focused, like very clear objectives as to what what's the goal, how are we going to direct to get it, and then whatever our little guerrilla groups are, we all just rally around that and get behind that. And that's, that's a little... Uh, it's not going to be the full Seneca Falls, all of us being one thing. Because coalition building, to some extent, has never been that. It's always been, you know, uh, I already said the island of misfit toys, in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like, we, you're just, you're there because of the situation that puts you all there. You're, it's the island of misfit toys that puts you there. But, you know, you have nothing in common, necessarily, with the, uh, the overall goals of the polka-dotted elephant. But you don't. You both know that you want to get to Christmas, kind of, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like this analogy. Yeah, I know. I use. I've already used it once before. So for the, those of you who just heard it earlier on this episode, you're welcome. There's I mean, a second, I'm pretty, second person. Pretty new to organizing. So like when, like when people say like, oh, there's a like, are we think are we talking about like DSA and like socialist alternative? Like are these are there already all of that out there? Yeah, I mean like there are, and it it really depends on what. Like the local shit really depend. Like you have to kind of get plugged in. Like I'm I'm plugged into the Chicago DSA a little bit. Are you? Uh, you live in Chicago? I'm in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, in Chicago, I, moved, so. I just moved from there like a couple months ago. Oh shit! Well, see ya. Yeah, yeah see ya. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm in New York uh, now. So. Oh, cool! Hell yeah! Fuck yeah, I New still, York. Let's I go. can still find my DSA chapter in one month. Yeah, yeah, and some DSA chapters are better than others, and mm-hmm. there is a lot of internal fighting in the Chicago DSA chapter, but. <laughs> But there's also a lot of really good organizing and a lot of, like, organizational structures and a lot of coalition building with other groups, like, you know, um, like uh, neighborhood groups and, and, and unions and things. And that's that's good to see. But a lot of that work is just kind of like it's not sexy. Like, I got a fucking electoral working group meeting on uh, this Thursday, and I don't even know what the fuck that is. So I have to, like, figure that out. But it's, it's you know, it, oh, go ahead. Well, I guess I'm just like, I'm just curious about how this, okay, like the right versus the left right now. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I think that that's all good and great. And I'm not saying that that shouldn't take place or that like, oh, that doesn't matter or anything like that. But I just feel like in terms of, um, well, I don't know what I'm asking. Cause I'm just like, doesn't yeah. it still feel like the left is still so scattered? It feels like it, but it then. Matter? Like, I don't it know. Doesn't matter it, if all it, of this coalition building is is going to still be happening on these like ground levels and these local levels. You know no, I, mean? I I I know what you mean. I look, the left kind of feels scattered, but in a lot of ways, it kind of doesn't feel scattered. First, mm-hmm. like first of all, like the framing, like the right definitely. What the right is good at doing is coming up with like a common cultural enemy like, or something like that. It's just a, it's like, like an enemy of some type, and then they don't think, and then yeah. they just fall in line, kind of thing. You know, like yeah. it's it's very much focused around anti reactionary stuff. Yeah. It's a lot easier to organize around that shit to some extent because it's just I don't like this. It's not like what kind of society do you actually want to live in, right? They're like we want a society without these people or without that kind of thing happening here, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of a little easier to organize around, I would say, because it's just it's it's why fascism works like works to attract people right it's you give a very 
easy explanation for a complicated problem, and you make people feel good about being part of the in-group, and then you just fucking run with it. And you can and, – and, you know, what happens when you complete the task? You got to probably find another fucking enemy to organize around because that's all you have. It's all that symbolic dumbass bullshit. We're fighting for substance here. Yeah. What we're fighting for is real shit. And that means we actually have to have this real ass motherfucking conversations and understand shit. And then we're going to have strategic, you know, all kinds of strategic, like, you know, differences and personality differences and blah, 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 blah. But like, it makes it harder to organize around, I think. But it's, yeah. you well, know, I, I don't think we're as divided. I, I you know, know, every time I get on a call and I'm like, okay, where are all these fucking people? At? Like, that's what know? I'm saying. I'm yeah. like, you know, everyone's everyone on the seems so reasonable and rational. And it's like, oh, these people think like me, and it's yeah. like, oh, it's just because whomever on online is just like the loud minority. But like most of the people that we talk to on here, at least in this community, feel like they're all pretty much on the same page. But yeah. I guess the last thing I'll say is that you know, watching a PBS documentary about <laughs> about like the women's suffrage movement, which is really mm. fascinating, but like I, I just think it, it behooves us to you know study to read to study history like how basically how things have worked in the past like how has, how did they get you know the right to vote like yeah all of the ways that they did you know that they did utilize like okay now we're not going to get this nationally so let's start trying to get it passed in this state and let mm. and something like healthcare i feel like i don't know i feel like that might have to be a state by state thing like marijuana and then eventually it just yeah that that seems to be the, the strategy for that um but yeah i I believe in studying some of the old organizers, you know, people like Bayard Rustin, who mm. fucking was responsible for so much of, like, the black civil rights organizing, uh, mm. who was also just kept in the background because he was a gay man, uh, mm. but is a fucking G when it comes to strategy and everything and just was instrumental to a lot of this. Or, like, Fannie Lou Hammer, you know, people who will be out there, like, Fannie Lou Hammer didn't know, like... She's like authentic start from the bottom. Now we're here, but not even like she. She didn't even like go any. Like she just organized as a worker. It's like it's it's very similar to what we see Christian Smalls doing today. It's very similar to what Fannie Lou Hamlin yeah. is doing. But you can you can learn a lot from from that. Um, oh, totally. Yeah, I'm just a baby organizer, so I yeah. yeah I I will look into all of this and get get organized yeah don't be afraid to ask questions here and i'm sure everyone here is super cool and has a lot of good jokes and shit so um good jokes everyone's got jokes um thanks everyone i have to bend my knee to the capitalist mode of production so i gotta go to bed but all right yeah well thanks for calling in cynthia and i guess i'll see you in class (laughs) see you in class i hope you read the text (laughs) yeah Yeah, probably not but we'll see yeah all right yeah have a good night Bye. All right. Wow. So many callers tonight. Uh, go ahead, Free Assange. You are. Uh, go ahead and unmute yourself. Thank you for waiting so patiently. Hey, uh, buddy. This is a cool uh, little hangout spot you got here. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not sure thanks. This is my first time on your channel uh, or not, but hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for calling in, man. Uh, welcome. I like this uh, topic, but I think I got a controversial answer. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Spit that. So, um, so we kind of talked about veered off into Marxism and, uh, Leninism and stuff, but, uh, mm-hmm. I'm get off that and get back on, uh, 
you know, we all want healthcare. You know, we want good things. <laughs> we all want good things. We're against bad things. Right. So how can we get these good things? Right. You know, by good things, we mean human rights and, you know, the actual stuff that's important. So the point I'm trying to get is we got to stop doing what we're doing because, you know, I think we talked about intentions earlier. Sometimes people talk about they may do something that may be perceived as bad or certain type right. of way, but really they have intentions that are more friendly or more, you know, more neutral. Right. I think, you know, that's so we're there. A lot of us do have good intentions, even if we do disagree on stuff. So how can we get to that next level? Well, what, what's been do, done to separate us is the culture. Now we can say it's capitalism, but it's it's really not. It's more it's more down to all these microcultures we got, kind of similar to what you said about how people are segregated. Mm-hmm. And it's not just by race; it's also by you know people who think a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure. Certain African American groups, maybe, you know, gun nuts may not get, uh, may not be friends with African Americans who are pro Democrat and stuff like that. But, right. like, one thing. And, you know, among the whites, we have plenty of denominations. Right. <laughs> we made several flags for them. We yeah. Make it um, so we got these separations, but usually what gets us together is, you know, economic issues. So I think that's, you know, we all know that already. So how how can we actually do it? What's preventing us from actually getting these economic issues done? We, we want Medicare for all, but what? You know, the Gen Xers a lot of the time and baby boomers. I know Lance is going to get mad at me, but not all baby boomers, but y'all know, we know what we mean. Yeah. They're like, well, we're not against people getting health care, but we think it's going to be overturned. Over, it's gonna make the the tax debt too big or the debt too big. Yeah, it's gonna make us all them. very too gay. It's gonna turn everyone too gay, <laughs> yeah, so we can't get the healthcare. Yeah, and you know, college educated that don't give us jobs. You know, whatever the the new paradigm of, that we hate is. But back to it, what makes us like? Let's look at Ukraine. Ukraine. I feel like Ukraine is a very good Rorschach test for the American people that really exposes who we really are. That mm. we are. Um, the, the American people or the American government, would you say? Or both? I would say American people because, hmm, you know, if you know what happened, you know, with Haiti and the Spanish-American War, it's just sure. a lot of stuff is not new. You know, like, we like to pretend that, oh, in 1960, the world ended and it was reborn in a phoenix. You know, we sacrificed MLK and through that ritual, we got a free world with no racism. A lot of people right. pretend that's the truth. That, that's, what, that's not what happened. Right. We like to pretend that's what happened. So, let me try to get, I got too many points. <laughs> but back to the Ukraine thing. I believe, cause like, look at this. You saw people like genuine or genuine. I don't know if it's genuine, but they're putting all this, uh, attention and emphasis like, oh, it's so sad what's happening for the people in Ukraine. But they wouldn't do this for the people in Afghanistan or Yemen. And it's like, they're not really dumb. We can't. Because we used to say for conservatives like us leftists back in the day, we used to say, oh, well, the conservatives are dumb. They're voting against their own interests. And I used to think that, too. But now with the liberals, is, is, do they really not know that Libya happened? Do they really do they really forget that Iraq happened? What what What's the truth? Do you want my my answer here? Well, hold on. I'm, gonna, I'm yeah. leaving the question a bit. And I think that the truth is that, you know, we are an immoral people. Like we're, we are the bad guys. If you want to put it into, you know, black and white terms. Mm. And I know it's like, well, does that mean just serious more? Oh, if you want to respond, my bad. I know. No, no, no. I, I, I would. Well, first of all, I don't think. I think 
we are the bad guys is kind of like, I don't know, it's like saying, it just rejects a lot of the nuance of a human experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the I, I do feel like a lot of people don't know about Libya or don't really know about it. I feel okay. like a lot of people with the sort of manufacturing of consent that's done through our media, I mean, it, it, it shapes opinions and most people don't question it and just kind of go along with it. And believe in it. But, well, propaganda is a hell of a fucking drug, my friend. Propaganda is a hell of a motherfucking drug. And if you base your worldview around what you believe to be truth, and then motherfuckers come in and say, no, actually, we're the baddies, right? It can fuck with people's worldviews a bit and then make them defensive and want to um, defend it. But, I mean, really, here's the thing. Like... There was a report, I think I think Breaking Points mentioned it today or something, but uh, I can't remember. I think it was Breaking Points. But they said how already, already, there's been more media coverage of Ukraine than there was of Iraq. Bow. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's an intentional sort of choice. That's an intentional sort of thing. Maybe people care about Ukraine because they keep hearing about Ukraine. And because people care about people who are going through a stressful situation and, you know, they maybe they empathize. But the problem is that, you know, with Iraq and shit, when all the coverage is either like terrorism, this terrorism, that, and then they haven't even covered it more in a war that we're actually fucking in than Ukraine. I think I think that's just looking at I think that is capitalism. And I think here's here's the real rub, sir. This is my real, this is my real conspiracy yeah. shit, and yeah, right. and this is my real real. Um, my I, I, okay, put it on, put it on, but it won't protect you from these fucking brain waves. Let me tell you, because it's it's too real, it's too fucking real. Uh, I think the moral the moralization of us being bad people or not being bad people, like that ideology is actually a capitalist construction, is made in a way for us to, again, put responsibility on ourselves for our position of powerlessness in the world that's been constructed around us by forces that are much more powerful and that control everything and put it into a personal responsibility narrative so that we now are blaming each other for that as people, as immoral people. Oh, I think we're just evil people. Fuck that. Like, fuck that stupid ass shit. Like, to me, it's it's this idea of like, n- n- look, how did, what systems affect outlooks, affect people, affect what the access to information they have. The amount of deconstruction that I have to do day to day could be a motherfucking like full time ass job. And I don't know shit. And when I mean, you could see people like Noam Chomsky, who seems to be, you know, one of the most well-informed people ever. But it is all he does is read and deconstruct. It is really a full-time ass job. And here's the thing: I don't, I, I think it is both not useful to just look at someone and say it's a personal moral failing. Um, but I also think it. It, it is though. It is like I, I don't think it's so. Stuff. It's not I all don't. about. I mean, I, I don't. I, 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 I how someone could like, could like do something that's maybe interpreted as racist or something or whatever, 
But yeah. then they're not really having that intention or of hatefulness behind it. They're just, you know, ignorant or, or yeah. whatever. Mind you, I'm, I'm thinking it's the same thing with this good guy, bad guy thing. So I'm not fully accepting the, I'm not trying to well, make it. Well, totally bad there's a, saying, yeah. Okay, go we ahead. We are going to define good guys and bad guys. We definitely fall on the other side. Now, mm. do I just want to fly off every human? You know, it's, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm just saying that yeah. we need to stop, like, with the civility thing. We, we got to stop being polite because we're being polite and then we're stabbing people in the stomach. It's like, I, I look, Yes, I, I de- and I, I agree that civility is definitely used as a way to get away with stabbing people in the back um, a lot of the times. Uh, but, you know, like I when I talk to someone or when I'm engaged uh-huh. in some kind of political discussion, I genuinely don't want them to feel bad. Like I, it makes me feel bad to make people feel bad. I know that's not everybody. Wow, like, they make you feel bad. You see how you, you know, no, I feel I just feel bad about it, man. Really? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, like no one's making me feel that it's just like empathy. I don't know, man. Like sometimes when I, you know, like I don't know when sometimes like I don't know. I just think of shit that I said in arguments or whatever and wanted to take it back and felt like a dick. Like you know, I don't know what pressure it was. Than an enemy or a you know someone that has conflict with, we would rather be friendly with people than be in conflict. Well, I th- it's also like I just don't. When you see someone hurting, it's like fuck. I don't know. It just it doesn't feel good to watch someone hurt. You know, like and when I've made someone feel less like a person, or I don't know, it it hurts. I don't know why it does, but I don't like I don't like it. You know, it's kind of like whenever you see. Because here's the thing, you don't even have to do anything to someone. Sometimes, like, you'll just see someone in a worse situation or who's going through it, and it hurts. Like, it it feels bad to... Oh, God. How, how, I'm not going to go into another personal anecdote, because there's also... Oh, my God. We've almost been going four hours, too. So, eventually, I will... I promise everyone I will wrap this up, because I do have a job and stuff, too. But, I mean, like, you know, sometimes it just... It just feels bad to see people doing bad and, and like, in in the dumps. Like, I think that's – I think that is something that probably exists outside of a capitalist structure, too, for a lot of people. Because, like you said, we are social animals. I think I think empathy is kind of a tool for us to – you know. And, and they've done, like, experiments and studies, too, of people who just, like, will see someone in trouble and, and just go out of their way to help them. Or it doesn't even have to be a, a person. You know, it could be, like, a, a dog. Or something, right? Or like a turtle. And you'll see a turtle on the side of the road or something on its shell. And like, I'll, I'll stop my car and flip it back over or something like that, right? I don't, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't know why that is. But like, it, it feels good to do that. It feels good to put the turtle back on its feet, you know? Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I'm, I'm saying, well, what the Milgram experiment would, would disagree with you because most people actually don't do stuff like that. They I, I think you'd be surprised. I, when we say like most people, we, you know, these are two thirds of people will just walk by you being beaten. They'll literally just walk by one third. will call the cops. And then of those one third, well, that's, that's a little different too. That's a little different too, because those, those studies actually, 
oh sorry sorry those those like studies and those situations um very much vary depending on the bystander effect right if you a lot of the times people won't call the cops or people won't do something like that because they think someone else will so it's like an it's an it's an analysis paralysis thing it's actually not a a lack of empathy it's usually like if it's just one person and you see that you're the only person there uh, i think a lot of times people will take action in something like that but you know like Jen, uh, you know Nini is behind a little bit of that though you know oh i said what america i'm the one it's up to me it's, it's, i think it's i think it's 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 interesting though because whenever we talk about empathy you seem to you seem to acknowledge the media's ability to make someone act empathetically but there seems to be a resistance to seeing the media's ability to make someone not act empathetically or make someone uh you know like care more about ukraine as in like somehow they're not caring about ukraine is a is a or caring too much about Ukraine or not caring about Afghanistan is revealing who they really are. But somehow the empathy part is, is not, do you see what I'm saying? It seems like a little bit of a, a little bit contradictory, right? Like if the only force that you're willing to acknowledge here about capitalist systems or the media is its ability to make us more empathetic, um, while not acknowledging the other side, that seems a little strange. Well, I think you're overcompensating on the uh, symbolic interactionism. I know symbolic interactionism is real. Symbolic interactionism is one of the social. What, what does that frameworks. mean? Sorry, I'm 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 a dumb dumb. What's symbolic well, interactionism? Well, I'm not a dumb dumb. It's just yeah. sociology. You know, so there's three main things of sociology: conflict, functionalism, functional theory, or uh, symbolic interactionism. They're not that okay. complicated. Conflict theory means if you want change in, in any society, you have to force it. You have to take it. You have okay. to do it. Okay. Functionalism means things in society are are the way they are because there's a reason for it. And usually that reason has a function. Okay. See it. Symbolic interactionism means like how me and you talk, how you talk with Shelly, just each of our interactions has a symbol and people who watch those interactions, they will be affected. And this effect goes through and it's like, you know, pay it forward. It's like that, but that's, they, they think that's everything. And then most people say it's actually a combination of all three. I hate that answer. It's probably true, but I hate those above, you know, all of the above answers because they're kind of top out, but it's probably true in something for something yeah, like this. Yeah. In symbolic interactionism, like the empathy you're talking about, that's why I bring up the Milgram experiment. You know, the uh, you're right about the bystander effect. Yeah. 100%. Like the uh, the like calling the cops and the person being beaten in public is not the best example. It's it was just a illustrative of our current time period because the Milgram experiment was done in the 50s to see why did people agree with the Nazis just killing their neighbors and stuff. So yeah. it was a different thing. It was shocking people in a, uh, in a test. And yeah, I know, the- I, I'm familiar with the Milgram experiments as well. But, oh, I'm sorry. Keep explaining them for those who might not know. I, I'm not going to give all of it away. So then pretty much they would continue to shock people just because a person in a lab coat would say yes. They weren't forced to. Yeah. They would just say the, the experiment must continue. Yeah. So you can maybe even take that as a force. Well, you know, anyway. But they're allowed to leave at any time. But they would continue to shock the person, even past death most of the time. The person would be unconscious, not responding. And then it was simulated, though. It wasn't a real person. It was right, right, right. But the people would I have a heart condition. Please stop. Shock. You know, you, it's pretty crazy. Do you think you know? that speaks more to an innate evil in people or an ability for good people to be 
under the correct circumstances and with the right kind of authority figures and with the right kind of setting convinced to do evil things? I think it's kind of a second one, but I don't want to say it's true. I think it's neither because I think what it really the problem is, is the reason why I called. Now, this is going to be hard. You know, I know you probably want to go, but I think it's toxic femininity. This is the reason Ooh. why. They are. Because men, we are supposed to defend our society. I know oh, now. no. It was going so well. We're supposed to defend society. You know, people are supposed to defend the culture. You know, there's yeah. the culture. I, 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 the men, we're not defending society. Look at, you know, what's going on with cops. We're not defending our children. You know? And then I think on the other side, I don't want to criticize women, but I think there's some negativity and toxic culture going on in there. You know, I mean, like, say certain uh, things. You know, I'm, I'm sure preventing us from getting to that next level. We're allowing people who don't really know what they're talking about. I don't know. That sounds that sounds a lot like I don't know. I I I I, I that's like look. Everyone's allowed to believe what they want to believe and all that, right? But like, I think. I think ex- like explanations like that sound a lot like I don't know. Well, men they, they, they're, they're the kind of shit that's sold to it. It sounds like manosphere bullshit where they're just selling you like some, you know, some truth, right? That's why that's what hooks you. No, no, it's not. It's it's like it's like look, I think I think especially if there's like not a more systemic analysis of things because here's the thing like even if it was toxic well hold on hold on on one second if it was even if it was even like toxic femininity or toxic whatever or toxic whatever like aren't these cultures somehow affected by the systems which perpetuate them and which like put them into place if that were the case like wouldn't there still be some kind of role that capitalism has played in that that the system that we're in has played in developing that if that is the case and if that's the case too then to what degree should we be treating the symptom rather than the cause and that is really what what i mean this is a whole conversation about like and look i just i i i don't believe in like toxic masculinity or femininity or anything like that as i understand what's meant by those things but i think it's like an essentialization it, it essentializes men and women and essentializes things without evidence. And it just like feels good to, to say or something. I don't know, but it's like, I it's, I think there's truth to that. So that's why I, was, I wasn't trying to yeah. say toxic really means men, women are bad. You know, men can be feminine. Women can be masculine. You know, sure. you can't really be masculine without being a little bit feminine. It's kind of like the yin yang thing. You can't really be feminine without a little bit of masculinity. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. The toxicity. That's why I want to keep the toxicity into there. Yeah, but I don't know what you would call masculine, either successful or or muscular, whatever, powerful, whatever dynamic you want to use. People who are men who are successful or dominant are not necessarily doing good things. Yeah, but what's success? Like, that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of successfulness here is what is going to produce the most, like, generation of capital for who? Like, that sounds dumb to me. Like, the way we measure success in this society is fucking stupid to me. Like, I'm I'm successful in this society, and it kind of sucks. Like, it's not 
it's not everything it's cracked out to be, you know, and it, it's, it doesn't really get to the inner core of a person or allow them to actually be who they are. And that's the kind of society that I would like to build is one that's like, like this idea of like this hustle culture of I'm always having to chase something. I'm always having to be something. I'm always, I have to be successful. I have to be masculine. I have to be this. I have to be that. A lot of it is just like, it's like a fucking hamster wheel that they just keep trying to spin people on and spin people on and spin people on. And then what's the reason for it? Oh, it's this person. Oh, it's, it's, it's this cultural reason or people are inherently evil or something like that. I feel like a lot of that shit is just like, that shit perpetuates to me like the same system of dominance and the same sort of hierarchies that we already have that a lot of those hierarchies are based off of uh, bullshit landlord tenant sort of beha- like landlording behavior of like extracting value from people and that you know so i have i don't know i just feel like i feel like if you get sucked into that cultural battle a lot of the times like we we are capable of having like real ass fucking conversations about this stuff and breaking it down and and really examining these things. I feel like if you're caught in that hamster loop a little bit, it it's hard to look outside of it. And and I don't know, like, you know, as soon as I start hearing like masculine qualities that make people successful, I I want to tell Jordan Peterson to suck my dick. Like I just want to be like Jordan Peterson, please, like let me fucking stuff your entire head up my ass and I'll shit your head out again and then you could suck my dick. Like I just I I feel like I feel like so much of that is so like like I don't know. Like that's uh, and plus I don't know. I'm getting a little tired, but uh the mention of a word just listen to the response. I understand what you're saying. I'm not trying to say oh People are evil, so we shouldn't do anything. Or uh, masculinity, whatever, the goal or the enemy, so we shouldn't do it. No, we, sh- we shouldn't do anything. It's not anything I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is this is the issue. Yeah, but I just don't think it is. I just – I really don't think it is, and I feel like that framework actually frames – hold on, hold on. well, I think that framework creates a – I don't know. It's more of like a bullshit kind of pop pop. I don't know. I like. I don't see any fucking evidence for that. That's my thing, and I I need I need to see some fucking like constructive evidence for something. And if not, I just feel like oh, this is just some shit that they're trying to feed us so that they can get everyone to bicker about it and then keep on taking your fucking money and fucking your wife and your right. husband. And that's the whole point. And so like I just like I it. Why would you allow someone to fuck you like that? Unless you are under some toxic feminine ideology. But that's that's the the thing. thing. No, no, no. Because it could be capitalism. Capitalism fucks you. It fucks you right in the ass. Like, fucks you. Why would you be subservient to something? I just don't, I don't get it. Like, it's, it's, you know, I just, I I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's it, my dude. I, I just really don't. But, uh, I really appreciate the call, man. I hope you you tune back in, and maybe we can have another conversation about uh, I don't know anything. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, thanks for calling in. Uh, okay, Schnarf, Schnarf, you are up next. Oh, we're almost there, baby. We are almost there. Okay. Bye. What's going on, Schnarf? Holy How you doing? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I waited a really really long time to. You did. You really did. Yeah, I did. Holy shit, my head hurts. I know. Okay. You, you are. You thank you so much for waiting. At some point, I'll get better at figuring out these calls, but uh, you never know where it's going to go. You just never know. 
Okay. So the reason why I'm actually calling is uh-huh. because I feel like, you know, I, I, I'm new to this app and I just discovered it and there's a lot of cool people on here, but I think there's a level of bubblegum socialism that really takes place. Ah. I think, so I'm going to be honest with you. I pretty much think the last like 20, 30 minutes of your guests have given me a headache. All I'm saying is this in a very simple nutshell. I think what a lot of people have is a lot of frustration and, and really, really, really just well-deserved anger towards a system. But the ideology or the perspective that's really being perp- that's being really pushed here is just a product of whatever you've been told via capitalism, right? So first you had that girl Shelly. She has to mention Mao Zedong and Lenin, right? Like, why are we reverting back to, to, to the failures of socialism, right? Why are we reverting back to this ideology that, oh, we have to go back to Lenin or Stalin or any of these people? Why can't we just create our own understanding of what socialism is, right? There's a kind of drive to go after the exact opposite of, of the adversary of capitalism, right? I get it. But there's no real development here. And the second thing is, is that the vast majority of this conversation has been more of a spectacle than anything else. All it is is kind of like somewhere between like a religious revival and someone jerking off in a car. You're not getting anything done. Okay, both of those things sound pretty excellent to me, though, Shinar, if I'm not going to lie. Actually, can we have the religious revival while jerking off in the car? Can that be part of it? I mean, like, shit, I, I would, I would better, actually it like would be it. Better yeah. than that girl. The what, what was the? Oh, who's the other girl that was going off calling herself a bimbo? Here, here's here's what I don't get. I don't get what. what hold on, hold on, Snarf. Just, just one second, one second. Like, what's what's the point here? Like, what's what's the aim? You get on a voluntary app in a voluntary conversation, and the first thing you do is go after people in a call-in show who are just calling in for whatever reasons that they want to call in to talk about whatever they want to talk about. But your first instinct here, the first thing you want to do is go after all of them. Like, what do you have to offer? What would you like to say? Because that's what I'd like to hear. I heard what everyone else had to say. But where are you coming in on all this? That's, that's what I'm interested in. Here's what I'm going to tell you. We're pretty much fucked. Okay. And mostly because there's no actual benefit to this conversation. Well, Schnarf, and- you could be that. I could, you, you know, literally you could be you that, but what do? you're doing you right find, now, you should, get an agent. you should get an agent and find a way to become relative on social media, because that's all you really want. You want to be the left's Joe Rogan. You want to be a spectacle. You don't even care about an agenda of, of any sort. This is just your shtick. You don't care about anything. Schnarf, does that make you feel better? Like, what is no, going on really. with you, man? Actually, what's going I, you know Dude, what? can we just talk, like, just straight? Like, what's going on in your life right now, man? Like, what the fuck? Like, you could... How about you can actually educate me? Like, how about you can actually do something? Like, if you see this problem, what do you get out of this right now, man? Like, what the fuck is going I don't on? Know. I listen to you don't even... Let, and let, let, me, let me be clear. She let me be clear. So many good points, and you're cool. a retard with nothing Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Schnarf, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know I don't know what, what kind of okay, homie, I don't know what kind of dark, like clown. I don't know what kind of dark place you're in, my dude. But for you to wait that long maybe I'm in your mom's to say ass. this, I don't know, dude. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm all, all right. up in your mom's guts. I, don't I, know I, I really wish the best for you, man. I really do. And I wish, and, and I, I wish hope you, you find get your a thing. Fucking clue. Go ahead. I hope you actually get a couple of followers. 
Okay. Wow. What? Uh, all right. Well, that's sad. That's really sad, man. Like, I don't know. I hear something like that, and all I hear is, like, he's just in pain. Like, the for all that he can do here is to come in and just try to shit on people. And then, like, dude, you can just go watch Katie Halper. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, no one's stopping you from living your life. It's just sad. It's just fucking sad, man. Like, it's sad, and I feel the... I, I, I can feel the pain. It just sucks. It sucks. Well, I'm not going to stop... Uh, doing what I'm doing, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to stop, like, he deserves health care, too. That dude deserves health care and a living wage, too, people. Uh, uh, What a great uh, infighting on the left guy. Uh, And let's let's wrap this shit up and go the fuck to bed. God. (laughs) Okay, Lance, thank you for waiting so patiently, man. Uh, You're on. Go ahead and unmute yourself and come on in. Yeah, that dude had... uh kind of a unabomber vibe if you know what i mean like yeah but like but like like, you know maybe you need to just like you know tone it down and channel it through something that like on planet earth because that was like way out there yeah i i just think i don't know like once you start just like look if you're kaczynski you have a really rational reason to do it but no dude that doesn't mean you get to go bomb people no matter how succinct your you know your 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 analysis is anyway so you know, yeah. Oh well. Yeah. The guy's got to get it up. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So organizing. Just uh-huh. left off. And what's weird is okay. So I just I made a billion notes, right? So succinctly and calmly here, just the GOP versus the Democrats. The GOP has always been a coalition party from the day of Lincoln. It just was. It was never hmm. one that had like mass support. You know, they got Lincoln elected. In six years after starting, that's bizarre. That's amazing, right? And it's always been like we got to have a coalition. So they've always been that, right? The Democrats up until like really almost until the 2000s, but like at least in the 80s and 90s on the state, you know, it was a three to one margin of Dems versus Republicans. They always had way more of a margin. That's why the Republicans always did well for the most part. Hmm. On the national level, lots of Republican presidents, especially after Lincoln, all the way to the early and mid 20th century. Then it was the Democrats. But the Democrats always had the control of all the local governments and all of the Congress, the House for 40 straight years from 54 to 94 and all that. So it's in the DNA of the Democrat or the left in general to be split that way because they always had so many people that you didn't have to worry about bringing all the people together because you just have massive numbers. You're going to show up to vote. And enough Southern racist Democrats and enough, you know, real liberal, you know, left and right coasters, you know, Democrats and enough like union, what used to be Democrats in the mid in the upper Midwest. Yeah, they didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't give a fuck about the other Democrats. Oh, yeah. no, wait. Oh, I can't vote Democrat because the Southern Democrat, blah, blah, blah. This is what, you know, older folks. This is the geezer mentality here. Right. So, yeah, we fucked up. But some of us boomers, that's why I laugh, because I'm so young. You know what I mean? I'm so down. No, I'm not 20 years old, but I am not old fashioned. Right. I stand yeah. around with people that are 10 years younger than me, let alone most people my age. I'm like, damn, I'm like the oldest person here. But like they all seem like they're old, you know, and frumpy and just like, Ugh, you know what I mean? They seem so much older than me anyway. But, you know. 
but so yeah, man, it's crazy. So I'm watching this thing. It's a show called Laughing, right? It just happened to show up on my TV. Like the old, TV. the old show Laughing, or did they remake it? Yeah. It just showed okay. up on the old me TV with uh, fucking Nixon. Nixon was the president on that, right? I think it was. He was the president at the time. The show yeah. went from Cinderella, but it was before that. It was uh, Johnson was actually the president. Okay, exactly. interesting. Yeah, yeah. He does an ongoing Nixon. He does an ongoing Johnson. They did one today where the he doesn't call himself Johnson. He just has a cat. And he, you know, there you are, you know, Texas. You know, and he has Ladybird come on. She does a bunch of bird calls. It's crazy the kind of shit they did. Now, check this out. You won't believe this, man. I know it's late, but you'll be. All right, so I just happened to see this, but it reminded me of this is what I grew up with. This is what my brain was absorbing it like a preteen into teenage years. Was really pretty <laughs> radical left shit if you looked at it now. Here, they had a thing called the fickle finger of fate. What, and laughing was, 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 was radical? Is that what you're saying? Or? Oh, my God. Here's this one anecdote. Yeah, and it was sexist, too, at the same time, which is crazy. They had girls and, you know, the, the, the females that were all on the show in bikinis with, you know, funny, like, political or humorous or punny jokes written all over them a magic marker on their on their legs and arms and torso while they dance to a music in the background silently uh, in a bikini. That was laughing too. It's crazy, right? Yeah, that's but, wild. So, right, but so I'm not just having to watch this, but what, but it reminded me, yeah, I watched every show I ever did, right? And my World War II Marine vet dad loved it, you know, because it was just funny. Didn't matter what the... All right, so, they had this, okay, I gotta tell you. They had the thing, because you were talking about the Ukraine thing. Yes, it might have been breaking point. It's like 10 to 1 coverage of a Ukraine to Iraq, right? So this Is it is really that high? Jesus. Yeah, no, it's that, like 5 to 1. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's exponential. It's, it's just, still, okay, so that's like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. Not so, literally, so but it's way more. Yeah. When Chris Hedges and people, we talk about, it's shot, we're done, it's gone, it's over. It's not about, we gotta fix it soon, it's, it's done. We're done. We're baked. The cake yeah, is baked. but but it's even Chris, oven, so even Chris it's, Hedges, it's gonna, so. it's got to be revolutionary or very quick. But, 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 but to make this point, they had this thing called the fickle finger of fate. Okay, uh-huh. and it would be something to 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 do a, a skewer a a rip off consumer thing. Here's the one that they did. The one I saw last night. Oh, hey, let's do one for the Pentagon. They had a they had a, a literal poster like a whiteboard with all of seventy million for this helicopter, uh, you know, eighty billion for you know, or eight billion for this thing and that thing. Oh wow, another uh, that back then like a hundred billion was, was way more than now. Yeah, that's what they're doing during the Vietnam War. Hey, why don't you bring our kids back and uh, you know we can give them all? I mean, it was crazy, right? It was completely just in your face, like Pentagon, you know, uh, 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 you know numbers. On a national TV comedy show, saying, "Yeah, this is the fickle finger of fate." And it was, it was deliberately, it was an index finger with a thing wrapped around it, but it was like a "fuck you." So it was like "fuck you, Pentagon." This is what we think of you. That's what the fickle finger of fate was, a double entendre supposed to be, right? It was like a "fuck you" award, and it's that's what laughing was about, right? And that's what that's what's like looking at everything now, and that's what the, the Unabomber guy before was trying to make a point. I think is that. It's like we're so wrapped up in like 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 the uh, uh, like like the DSA. I'm sorry, they're national. I'm sure they're doing wonderful things all over the country, but like Kashama Savant, for instance, she's of the social something other. There's another social socialist group that's not them. 
Uh, but, uh, but it's like they, they said, please don't clap. Just raise your hands. And if you need to, if, if, if even the visuals are too much or even the crowd, we have all these safe spaces for all the, it was nuts. That was the DSA national convention. I'm sorry. Okay. You're not going to get rough and tumble former union guys in your, in your coalition. You're going to get down to about four people left that are pure, like the ivory soap. Yeah. Well, uh, do, do you think, um, but Lance, do you think that's like a, permanent condition yes. right do you think okay yes. so do you think do you think organizations or i guess organizers are at all able to change their tactics to become yes. more uh effective yes. yes and this is what you said about stuff that works yeah Fred and the black panthers what did they yeah. do what was his main thing i watched a video of him arguing with the direct action people it's like yeah throw everything up at the wall but the ones that wanted to be more militant you know, not so much just blow stuff up, but yeah, let's show the arms with the, you know, and that was fine. He said, you got to educate people. That's all Fred Hampton was saying, man. And that's why they killed him. You see? Yeah. And that's why they had to kill him because stuff that works has to be snuck. Rabble yeah. rousing and saying, let's go kill all the whiteies. That's fine. Listen to Chomsky, right? It's uh, like, yeah. 75% funded by MI, for, by the Pentagon and he, for all his decades of career at MIT. He said something that's kind of scarier than Big Brother when he said, oh, well, the Pentagon doesn't care if you try to start a revolution. Go for it. They don't mind me. They don't mind this. In other words, he gets squelched on, on, on national TV. He can't even get on, you know, the alternative stations if there's anything left. But the Pentagon doesn't mind. That's scary because I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. What he means is... It doesn't matter. We're not going to ultimately win for like ever, <laughs> but we got to keep struggling. They're going to still, no matter if we have our little revolution, there's still going to be an army. They're not going to be disbanded. Bernie Sanders won't. I wouldn't. Would you? Then they're still going to have the guns and they're still going to have the power no matter what you do. That's what Chomsky's point about. Oh, they don't mind me. He wasn't being, oh, because they're just decent people yeah. who want to debate. What he meant was they're going to be in total control no matter what. They know well, that. Do you think they know that, uh, do, they do know that I'm then, not really that? And, they, and here's the thing: in Thompson's well, well, case, they know I'm not a threat. Thompson would say because I'm a public figure, so they know everything so, I say. Uh, so, Lance, they're do you think do you think that that's like a um, the fact that they're going to win no matter what? What do you think? Do you think that's still worth fighting against? Oh yeah. Well, no, because that's all right. Well, then cool. <laughs> then cool. We done. The thing is, is look, it's been that way since Adam and Eve, and Cain killed Abel. You see what I mean? There's been yeah. conflict between people since Adam, literally, since Cain slew Abel, right? So, so the idea that someday we'll get like where the majority of the people are just going to be want to sing kumbaya and do all the right thing. No, no, huh. no. Even yeah. the people, even if the people had control, let alone yeah. trying to fight the oligarchs. Go back to ancient Egypt. Go back to wherever. Go yeah. back to any, you know, Chinese culture. Go back to the most brilliant, enlightened people that ever lived. They're still wound up being, the, it's between the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. Always, yeah. always will. You see what I mean? So, of course. No, I, I hear you. But, Lance, I got to, Lance, my dude, I got to get to, I got to get to bed, my guy. I'm, <laughs> it's about time for me to, to saddle off. But, um, I, I appreciate the, the phone in, man. And next time we can get more into the weeds about shit. Yeah, I wish I called it earlier or whatever because, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, and you know, the thing about a lot of young folks now, we're in a sanitized world. I, one more quick thing. 
So, okay. How quick? How quick are we talking? you know, sterilization. And anyway, yeah, we'll talk later. But yeah, yeah, we'll do, we'll do it later, my dude. <laughs> thank you so much for calling in, Lance. I appreciate thank it. You for the room, man. It's a great room. Thanks. Thank yeah, you. thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Yeah, right yeah. on. Uh, cool. So then we will, um, I guess, look, that's everybody. We've been going for four hours and almost four and a half hours. I was not expecting all this, but most of the conversation has been fucking great. Uh, I've learned a lot. I'm glad that there are so many people, the vast majority of people want to organize, want to participate, want to, uh, think that these things are worth discussing and figuring out. And um, look, there's always as if if the some of the last uh, you know some of our guests uh, have taught us anything is that there's going to be infighting. But fuck that shit. Fuck it. I don't care. Like a movement for people is always worth doing. And also, bullshitting and having fun is also worth doing. And I'm always going to fight for that. I don't give a fuck. Like, it is worthwhile to me to enjoy your time on life. Or in life. Uh, It's worthwhile to build community. It's worthwhile to have friends. And uh, that's just how I feel. That's just how I feel on some Kendrick shit. Like, that's just how I feel. And I like this app a lot because it does allow us, too, to work out whatever uh, kinks in our dehumanization or dehumanizing of each other that have been done by some parts of online. And for some people, it's going to take them a while to get there, you know? And we have to be able to hear, too, uh, through some of that pain. You know, when Rika was talking earlier about some of the problems with uh, that she has with the Ryan Grimm article are centered around the sort of all-encompassing nature of the article to take what is an issue, which is infighting in leftist circles, but then to take every amount of infighting that happens in leftist circles and suddenly say, well, look, uh, all of it is bickery little bullshit. When some of that is actually really stuff that we need to work out. Uh, some of it is, is actual internal struggles that are happening in these organizations, which are truly affecting them and, and truly affecting its members and actually deal with real issues. You know, the fact that there's a lot of internal infighting doesn't change the fact or doesn't mean that all of it is unwarranted. And... Quick, just quick, ten, five. Holy shit, Lance! Lance, you're back. <laughs> this well, happened. No, no, we're not. We're not. We're not going to combo. We're, we're, okay. Ten seconds. Abby <laughs> Hoffman. Fuck. Abby you scared the shit out of me. Oh man, sorry. Abby Hoffman talked about tribes. He said, "Look, I'm a Jewish uh, upper middle class kid from uh, from from Brandeis University in Massachusetts, and you're an inner city person from Harlem, and you know, right? We're not going to, you know, we don't need to like." you know yeah know each other that way. we're tribes we're gonna yeah. do our together because we have a unity it's a mosaic of, of it's not like we're gonna be a melting pot we're all gonna be like 
We have to get this consensus. Oh, no, we only have 99 people that are on board with this thing. And, and, and one thing, no, no, no. You know, that's so, actually, that's, that's a great point, Lance. You know what? Thank you for that. I actually, that, that, that's perfect. Thank you for that, Lance. That's, yeah. that's exactly what we're talking about, coalition building. But I do have to go. So I'm going to, It's again, like I I'm, said, from day one, human beings are tribal animals. So it's not about saying we got to get past our tribalism any more than we're going to get past anything that's just human about the struggle against oligarchs. So, yeah, it's Truth. not like we're going to get past tribalism. We just have to get together as all the different tribes that otherwise might hate each other to get together. And right. Right. Thank you, Lance. I I, I actually do appreciate that. Um, Holy fuck, scared the shit out of me when you started talking, though. (laughs) But that's true. Listen, a lot of this is some people you're also not going to like. Some people will just probably not be in your tribe with some of these movements. But the, the, the coalition building, too, there is a place for it that's going to be necessary. Uh, Part of what we can do to actually get us to build better coalitions is to have sort of set organizational goals, which we can uh, actually rally behind. The concrete sort of goal setting that, um, oh, Lance, I got to mute you, buddy. I'm sorry, because the the episode's not going to end. I love you, my dude, but this is the end. (laughs) This is the end of the episode. We, We are done. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the concrete goal setting that Amanda uh, brought up about having sort of North Star sort of points and values and goals that people can actually organize around, that makes it easier to coalition build because then we have a set place to get to. We know that th- th- we know where the end game is going. We kind of know the steps that we need to take to get there. Um, but. I guess I'll just end by saying I, I believe in our ability to get there. I really do. I believe in everyone who's called in today, uh, even if it's just for fun, whatever. Uh, don't feel in, under any pressure for this to be the revolution of all revolutions. But I, I'll tell you what. When I do these podcasts, I'm I'm encouraged by. I'm just encouraged. I learn a lot. I'm encouraged by our ability to actually get along. And, you know, uh, for the assholes, too, we're giving them motherfuckers health care, too. Every asshole gets health care. I don't give a fuck. And uh, at the end of the day, you'll be able to thank us uh, here at the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out. All right. Take care.